What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Yamatucky TIS podcast here on this weekend of Saturday, March the 5th, year 2022. Lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend program, the first weekend program of the month of March. Again, into Callum Murray and the controversies and the machinations with him on, you know, on stripping his social media of Arizona Cardinals photos and and disassociating himself with the Arizona Cardinals franchise. Now he wants a contract extension, and Cliff Kingsbury gets one uh, as well, undeservingly undeservingly so, I might add. Uh, Big-time college basketball, we can get into that. Coach K's final home game, and it also happens to be against uh, the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. get into that a little bit later on the show as well. And, of course, the host of Jay Reel's uh, podcast, uh, and Jason Nazario, he'll come on and join us a little bit later on in the uh, in the program as well to discuss the um, to discuss uh, recap the NFL playoffs, Super Bowl, the lockout, and Major League Baseball, and to get his uh, and and uh, to get his opinions on a couple things associated with the National Basketball Association. Where we begin is with uh, Kyler Murray. I mean, you know, listen, I I, tip, I, I, I like him as a player. I think he, he's a, he's fun to watch. He's a phenomenal talent. You know, a quarterback that, that's small, that's short, that's as shifty and as mobile as he is, that also has a, has a fantastic arm, uh, is, something, is a sight to behold. He's a talented guy. No scrub. I think if everything breaks the right way, he puts the proper work in, uh, and and certain and with the right coaching and a certain talent around him, he can be he can be a top ten, top ten, and maybe even top five best quarterback in the National Football League. But uh, but the bottom line is is that he comes off as a, he comes off as 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 extremely extremely immature. Uh, first off, you know, with the whole situation, which I didn't address, but since he's kind of outside of Aaron Rodgers and the NFL Combine, which I could both care less about, um, he's the he's like the he's like the talk of the town and 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 a huge talking point in the NFL non-Combine and Aaron Rodgers related. So for him to go out there, and I'll address this first, then I'll get to the contract extension and away we go. For him to unfollow the Arizona Cardinals and to basically pull the I want out motive that you see a lot with players in the NBA and Russell Wilson stripping the Seattle Seahawks from his Twitter feed, the Go Hawks and and the Seahawks out of his Twitter bio and taking the Go Hawks uh, out of his Instagram. You know, the 21st century uh, way of the athlete communicating with an organization that they're done with them or they want out or they want to... Uh, or they want a, or they want a, a trade or whatever. They're not satisfied with their with their current situ, with their current uh, situation with with what whatever team they're playing uh, is 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 the is the modern is the modern day way of saying hey you know I'm not I'm not happy I'm not satisfied. But for Colin Murray to do this when he doesn't have all the leverage, you know. In certain situations, certain players have leverage. And Rodgers to a certain degree, Russell Wilson to a certain degree. You know, when you see when you see athletes, especially in the NBA and the NFL, go ahead and do this. You know, they DeAndre Hop, they ha, they have uh, Deshaun Watson, kind of sorta. They have leverage in a situation. They are they arguably are the best player on their team. They are the they are arguably the number one reason why their team that whatever team that they play for is relevant and good to begin with. 
they they more times than not are a are a Super Bowl are a Super Bowl contending team in within in within the in of within themselves. So you know I don't like it. You know there's a more mature way to go about it and to handle a situation than to go on social media and say oh I want to be traded or I want out and stripping all uh, all pictures and things in your bio associating you with the team that you currently play for. But um, but but be, but because but that the bottom line is just this: Kyler Murray has no room, no room whatsoever, uh, to to moan and groan and kick and scream and want to you know get into a pissing match and bite the hand that feeds it in his own employee with the Arizona Cardinals. He is he 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 has no right to do that whatsoever, none. And I'll tell you why. Ladies and gentlemen, do you mind telling me? How many playoff games Kyler Murray's won in his career? NFL career. Mind telling me how many playoff games he's won in his career? Or how many uh, Super Bowls he's played in? NFC Championship games? Division titles won? Playoff games he's played in? Does anybody know? Anybody know? Because when I look at Kyler Murray and the job that he did this season, I'm looking at a quarterback that, granted, threw for three, threw for over three thousand seven hundred yards, three seven eighty seven, completed sixty nine percent of his passes, twenty four touchdowns, ten interceptions. So he's no scrub by any stretch of the imagination. No scrub, none whatsoever. But, and he ran for five touchdown passes. But when I look at his body of work down the stretch of the regular season for the Arizona Cardinals, I'm not looking at a guy that at this early, at this point of his career, is worthy of a contract extension. Go, let's go to the game he played against the Packers on October the 28th where he threw the interception because either A.J. Green ran the wrong route or it was a miscommunication between him and A.J. Green. Look at his numbers that night. He was 22-33, 274, 66% percentage, no touchdown passes through two interceptions. In their loss on that Monday night with Cliff Kingsbury, couldn't manage a game clock to save his life against the Rams when they lost 30-23, although the, although the final although the final score was was dubious because the because the the Cardinals scored uh, on the, one of their final possessions of the game, which was inconsequential because it was a little too little too late. Because uh, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know that when you're down ten, and you have no timeouts to work with. It's best to, it's best as soon as you get into field goal range, to kick the field goal first. So and so if in a in the case in point, if you recover the onside kick, which the which the Cardinals ended up. Uh, miraculously doing, you allow yourself more time to march down the field uh, when you need a touchdown. You allow yourself more time to march down the field and score and put the ball in the end zone instead of instead of essentially working down instead of uh, working all of the clock to score a touchdown. And you kind of have to hustle and bustle to kick yourself a field goal. Having said all of that, and that game which they lost thirty to twenty three, Kyler Murray completed sixty five percent of his passes, no touchdown passes. Two interceptions and uh, had a QBR of 39, if you're into that. 
passer rating of 72. Against Detroit, where where him and his offense was abysmal. Abysmal against against a double-digit loss Detroit Lions on the road. He completed 56% of his passes, one touchdown pass, one interception, a QBR of 7. 7. Next weekend's in they lost three straight games throughout the month of December. On Christmas night, when he had an opportunity to win the division at home, and the Colts had no Darius Butler, who was out that night with COVID. 62% of his passes were completed through for 245, one touchdown pass, no interception, QBR rating of 46. I mean, these are not in any way, I mean, does this scream contract extension to you? This doesn't scream cut him. This doesn't scream trade him. This doesn't scream scrub. You need to get rid of him, find somebody else. But do these numbers warrant, warrant, uh, warrant Patrick Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers type of money? Uh, Russell Wilson type money, I shall continue. Not counting the Dallas Cowboy game because it doesn't matter how well or bad he and the, and the Arizona Cardinals are playing. Whenever they're playing the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, Kyle Murray always plays ball. It's just a weird anomaly where whenever he's playing in Dallas, Kyle Murray is going to uh, Kyle Murray is going to look like an MVP candidate. So we won't count that game. But then, final week of the regular season. At home against the Seattle Seahawks, who had nothing to play for. Granny completed 71% of his passes, but he wasn't fantastic in that game either. One touchdown pass, no interceptions, only five carries, 35 yards on the ground, and got sacked five times. Was, was, wasn't, wasn't good in that game whatsoever either. And if you want to go back to the, to the uh, Ram game on December the 13th, he got sacked four times in that game as well. So he has not exactly... Been 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 putting up MVP MVP Super Bowl caliber quarterback type numbers, especially in the month of December against the Rams at home, Detroit on the road, at or excuse me, home against Indianapolis, who had no Darius Leonard, arguably the best player on defense at that point in time. Indianapolis was a scorching hot team heading into that game. Christmas night had an opportunity to win a division, and it collapsed. Against Seattle, had an opportunity to get to improve their playoff seating. Did not do so. Lost to Seattle 38-30. Because he and Cliff Kingsbury choked. Then it's just like they always do. So for and and this and also if you factor this into the equation, look at the look at the Arizona Cardinals and how they played this season. They started out the regular season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and oh. Seven and zero, and went on after the seven and zero start. They proceeded to win one, two, three, four games. The rest of the way, they started seven and zero. They ended the season four wins and one, two, three, four, five, six losses. Started the season seven and zero. Wrapped up the season four and six down the stretch. From a guy that is young, unproven, and missed some time, and has missed some time within the last couple seasons out due to injury, I I can't take him seriously kicking and screaming and screaming and yelling, uh, whether it's in private or doing it the passive aggressive 21st century 
uh, millennial slash Gen Z uh, approach of stripping Arizona Cardinal stuff from his social media accounts. I can't listen to him, and I can't take his side nor take him seriously with this because at the bottom line is, Kyler Murray, you haven't earned that contract extension yet. You're not Lamar Jackson who's won an MVP. You're you're not Josh Allen who's taken his team to the playoffs on a consistent year-in-year-out basis, gotten them to an AFC Championship game. And I have Patrick Mahomes that's played in four consecutive AFC home AFC Championship games, back-to-back Super Bowls, won one of them, and is an AFC champion and, and an MVP to boot. You're not, you're not him. You're not Aaron Rodgers who's won back-to-back MVPs, who's played, in, who's played in quite a few conference championship games, who's also won a Super Bowl. You're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not, you're not even Joe Burrow. Who's gotten his team? Who's who, who who's gotten his team to an to an AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, coming off of a torn ACL injury? You're not any of those guys. And those now Joe Burrow saw his rookie contract. Yes, I grant you that. But for the for but for the but for the Mahomes is making big money, and the Aaron Rodgers is making the big money, and and a Josh and a Josh Allen's. You're not you're not on their level yet. And Lamar Jackson, who I think I would hold off, and we'll discuss this with uh, with Jason later on the show. I would hold off me personally myself on paying Lamar on paying Lamar Jackson a big time money, giving him a contract extension. You know, I, the, the 2021 season was supposed to be his make or break year. A little bit unfair to him because he got because he got injured. So he gets so if I'm the Eric DeCosta and Ravens front office, I give him one more year grace period. Okay, everybody else is back healthy. We'll do what we can in the off season, Lamar. 2022 season, your time to shine. You're, it's your chance to, to prove to us that you deserve a contract extension. You make a break here. Here it is, 2022. Let's go. And Lamar Jackson has accomplished far more in a short time period as a starting quarterback in the National Football League than Kyler Murray has, without question. Yes, he's had two bad playoff games, and Kyler Murray in his lone playoff appearance only has the one. But at the same time, Lamar Jackson's won a playoff game on the road, no less, and he's won an MVP. Okay, the the what the what in that in that from Ravens fans' perspective, that magical 2019 season, where the Ravens won their division by a landslide, they were the best team regular season record wise in the National Football League, number one seed in the AFC, first time the Ravens had accomplished that in the history of their franchise. Lamar Jackson unanimously wins the MVP. Did did, did do I recall the 2019 uh, Baltimore Ravens? collapsing down the stretch of that season. I remember collapsing in the playoff game, but that's a playoff game. I'm talking about regular season where they where they coast the about more than halfway through the season, undefeated they weren't undefeated cuz you know it was the opposite where the Ravens got their losses out of the way early and then won an absolute hot streak, but you get the idea. Do I recall that Ravens team ever falling short and losing to for a perfect example my Cincinnati Bengals? Whether it's whether whether in whether in Baltimore or in Cincy, do I do I remember them laying an egg and, and their offense not and their offense not showing up against a 0-11 Bengals team in 2019? Do I do I recall them doing that or them laying an egg to, to uh, at home to the Jets on a thir- on a Thursday night in December? Did, did, did the did the Ravens and Lamar Jackson do that? Did they? No, they do not. No, they did not. And again, I think Lamar Jackson's better than Kyler Murray, but I, and I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, harsh critic, but a fan. I, I'm hesitant on getting him a contract prior to the 2022 season. But as far as who I think 
I would rather give one to and who is more sooner due for one, it's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson gets the Ravens to an AFC Championship and or Super Bowl. The Ravens have no choice but to sign him. He he gets the Ravens to an AFC Championship, a Super Bowl. Uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson set for life. He's won them divisions. He's won them a playoff game. He's gotten them to the playoffs. And he's and he's won an MVP. Where's Kyler Murray's MVP? Where's Kyler Murray getting you know, we all thought that we all thought that and we all knew that, that 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 Green Bay Arizona game late in October possibly could decide the one seed. But when they lost the game, we thought, okay, all right, they lost the Green Bay, who by the way had no Devontae at who had no Devontae Adams because he was out due to COVID. We're like, okay, well they lost that game. All right, unless if Green Bay, you know, fault, you know, let's say Green Bay loses to the Ravens or whatever, it, it maybe unless they get lucky, they get the one seed, but they'll be content winning the division, winning the division and a runaway and getting the two seed. They didn't even, they didn't even win the division or get the two seed. They fell all the way down to the wild card spot. They were they were the six. They were the six Rams who were who we thought were all down for the count. Sky was falling. Uh, McVay was getting criticized left. McVay was getting criticized left and right. Matthew Stafford went back to his Detroit, went back to his Detroit ways, and Robert Woods tore his ACL injury. Down for the count. Rams stole the division from Arizona, got the four seed. Cardinals dropped all the way down from what we thought was going to be a one or a two, winning the NFC West. Didn't win the division and dropped all the way down to the six, the six. Previous and previous seasons, that'd be that'd be the sixth and final the sixth and final playoff spot. The six. And Kyler Murray wants a contract extension, really, and kicking and screaming, happy, dissatisfied with the Cardinals. What possibly could you be dissatisfied with with the Cardinals organization? They went out and signed free J.J. Uh, Watt in free agency prior to the 2021 season. They got DeAndre Hopkins. They got an experienced all-pro pro Bowl wide receiver for my Cincinnati Bengals and A.J. Green. They traded for Zach Ertz in a trading deadline. What, 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 what could be the possible issue? What could be the issue? Is it the Cardinals' fault that you? Is it the Cardinals' front office fault that you guys do nothing but collapse in the second half of seasons? Cliff Kingsbury, I'm looking at you. Kyler Murray, I'm looking at you. Is it their fault that you, that that you get injured at the worst possible times, and when the tough gets going, you come up small? Is it their fault? Is it their fault? Is it their fault that you guys completely embarrass yourselves in front of America in your first ever playoff game on the road against the Los Angeles Rams? Is it the front office's fault? Is it the Cardinals organization's fault, Kyler? Is it the Cardinals organization's fault that you took yourself out of the playoff game that you absolutely stunk in? Is it their fault? What quarterback? What great quarterback in the history of the National Football League take themselves out of a playoff game? I don't care if they if they lose it by fifty. They don't the, 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 get pulled. Yes, take themselves out. No, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. Did Ben Roethlisberger, when the Steelers got their teeth kicked in in the 16 championship game, pull himself out? No, he did not. When Mahomes got his teeth smashed in sideways by the Bucks in the Super Bowl last season, not 2021, but 20, did he did he take himself out of the Super Bowl? When you know one bad hit, one bad one one bad hit, one uh, push, one shove, 
and it's a bad injury for Mahomes and their season's compromised, do they take themselves out? The answer is no. Peyton Manning taking himself out of the Super Bowl when, when the Broncos got embarrassed by the Seahawks. The answer is no. All I'm a, uh, a far better quarterback than Kyle Murray is right now. I'm telling you. He, 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 he has no leverage and no room to moan and groan and scream and complain about the Cardinals. None whatsoever. And you're all this talk about maybe he's a bad teammate. His teammates don't necessarily love him. I mean, come on. Grow up, Kyler Murray. Grow up. Quit being an immature, petulant child. You know, put your big boy pants on. Get down with the nitty gritty and grow up. Okay, you have not earned the right to kick and scream and hold the franchise hostage. You haven't won a playoff game. You've done nothing but collapse. You've, you've, you've played in, in some subpar games down the stretch, especially in the month of December. No MVPs, one playoff appearance, no playoff wins, no division titles, no conference championship or Super Bowl appearances or championships. You, you have zero, zero room to talk or and zero margin of or area of uh, of leverage with, with, with the Arizona Cardinals. None. If they don't want to pay you at this point in time right now, don't want to give you contract assistance, they have every right to do so. Every right. You're you're the empl- you're the employee. They're the employer. You're the labor. They're the boss. They can do what they want. Especially when you're young and unproven, and and and, and, you're, and you're not and you're not worth the, their money or their aggravation of going of contract talks yet. You're not worth it. Again, you're not Allen. You're not Mahomes. You're not Burrow. You're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not even dare I say Matthew Stafford. You're not you're not none of those guys yet. You could be have the potential to could be on their level to be a top ten quarterback in the sport. You're not a you're no Lamar Jackson. Again, it can change within a season, but as of this moment in time, you're not. And you have no right nor area of leverage to kick and scream and to throw a social media hissy fit with the Arizona Cardinals because you're dissatisfied with your situation with the team. His solution, Kyler, play better. Play better. Incomplete passes all over the place, getting sacked left and right when you're when you're the quickest and shiftiest guy on the field. Play better. Okay? Maybe maybe not going to Detroit in December uh, against a double-digit Detroit Lions team that, that's, uh, that's rebuilding for the future and lay an egg and, and forget to bring your offense. How about that? Or when you have the division line against Indianapolis, you know, around Christmas time, and they're missing their best defensive player, maybe not lay an egg and get outplayed by Carson Wentz. Huh? Ever think about that? He has no room to complain and gripe whatsoever. None. He he may think he does because he may think he's on a level of all these other guys. Newsflash: He's not. When you're on their level, when you've done a little something, something you got a little, you got a, you got a few championships and/or MVPs underneath your belt, then you can say something. Then you can say something. As of right now, you're not. And and until you are, keep your mouth shut, put your head down, get in the lab, work this off season, and right your wrongs in 2022. What I also can't fathom, what I also can't understand, is why in God's name they gave Cliff Kingsbury a contract extension. He's also part of the problem and part of the Cardinals' shortcomings. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, 
a guy that can't manage the game clock if his life depended on it? Really? Who, whose play calling was beyond dubious? Really? They give Cliff Kingsbury a contract extension. He and Murray would be coaching and playing for their lives in 2022 if I was their boss. Asinine decision giving him a contract extension, especially given in the in the aftermath of what occurred down the stretch of their 2021 year. An asinine decision. Asinine. He be he he be coach he be coaching for his for his future in 2022 if it was me. Kyler Murray too. And I, and and here's, and here's the confusing thing from a Cardinal standpoint. You need a quarterback to win. If you don't have a competent quarterback, your your chances of being competitive and winning a championship are shot. Shot. Go ask the Denver Broncos. Shot. Shot. He doesn't deserve it, but you could somehow somewhat justify in giving him one because of the position that he plays. You don't have to have a Cliff Kingsbury to win a Super Bowl or to go to one. All you need is just a competent coach that puts together a good offensive game plan. That team operates as as a, as a as a as a uh, as a uh, as a as a unit. Knows how to manage a game clock. Knows how to call plays correctly, and that's it. Coaches come and go. You know you need you need the quarterback. And yet you give Kingsbury the extension. I mean, really? Really? Put your head down and take care of business, Kyler. Get off social media. Quit belly aching and bitching and moaning to your agent because nobody cares. Okay? You haven't earned, you're not on that level yet. When you're on that level and you've done a little something, you got a little, you got a little, uh, a couple of accolades underneath your belt, then you can say something. They can say something. Until then, keep your mouth shut, put your head down, take care of business, and get the job done. No, no, nobody wants to eat, kick, and scream. Nobody. Again, one last time, you're not Jackson, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, or Rodgers. You're not on that level yet. And I'm not saying all of those guys I named are equally on the same level. But those are all quarterbacks that you would take before you take Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson's got MVPs. Josh Allen's played an AFC Championship game, has won the Buffalo Bills a couple of divisions. We all know how great Patrick Mahomes is. Aaron Rodgers' back-to-back MVPs has played and gotten his team to AFC Championship games, won seeds, have won the NFC North about a bunch of about a dozen times, and not to mention in the and Joe Burrow coming off a torn ACL injury, got the Bengals to the Super Bowl and won them the AFC. You, my friend, still have a lot to prove. Let's call it like we see it. Call it like we see it. And one la- and one quick little note here before we get to Jason. You know, I don't know whether it's the fact that Michael Florio is trying to, you know, trying to be a gaslighter and trying to make much ado about nothing. Board stiff is he's sick and tired of writing about Aaron Rodgers or board stiff with the NFL Combine, which which is the most boring. Uh, unentertaining uh, product the NFL has going for him right now. Uh, I don't know what, but either either he's making a, either he's making much to do about nothing, and he's gaslighting 
with uh, with uh, with Evan McPherson, the Bengals rookie kicker, who stayed out on the field and watched the, the halftime show on the song. Either he's gaslighting, making it much to do about nothing, or if he is telling the truth, the Bengals uh, special teams coach and their coaching staff has has got to let that one go. Has has got to let it go and is going to move on from that. I don't know what I don't know what it is. If it's Florio gaslighting, he needs to get a life. But if he's telling the truth and the Bengals are really that bothered by it, here's what I'd tell the Bengals coaching staff. I'd tell the special teams coach to make sure that make sure that we have a punter in line for Kevin Huber because with all due respect, and I like Kevin, and you know, lifelong Cincinnatian, born and raised, born and raised in Cincinnati, went to school in Cincinnati, longest tenured player along with Clark Harris, a long snapper on the team. But I mean, we we got we got to invest we got to invest in a in a good punter again, and our return game is one of the worst in the sport. Do I mean I well, I, I have not forgotten I have I forget I forgave, but I haven't forgotten about the Forty Nine er game. I haven't. Where where your special teams was abysmal. Be more focused on that, making sure you get a decent return game going, than worrying about Evan McPherson staying on the field listening to Eminem rap "Lose Yourself." And watching a uh, Fifty Cent uh, rap in the club, hanging upside down from a pull-up bar, be be more concerned about be more concerned about that than uh, than Evan Mc, than Evan McPherson, who was the who was the least of your worries and was the least of your concerns, and why your team collapsed collapsed in the fourth quarter, twenty sixteen lead, and you vomited all wow. over yourselves. I got got to I got to be honest. I got to be fair. Evan, Evan McPherson was not the reason why the Bengals lost the Super Bowl. If anything, he was one of the main primary reasons outside of Tommy defensive play and Burrow and and Jamar Chase of of why of why they were there in the first place. And it wasn't like they went out there in the second half and and missed a couple kicks and left the points on the board. He 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 he, he was perfect. He went four. He was fourteen of fourteen throughout the, throughout the month of January and, and and including the Super Bowl. Come on, guys. Put 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 everything into perspective. Kyler, that's you. Florio slash the Bengals special teams guy. It's you. Put everything into perspective. Jason Azario's waiting by. We shall continue with the Amatel. I can tell you his podcast in just a moment. Welcome back to the I'm Tell I Is podcast. Joining me now, good friend of the podcast program and a good uh, buddy of mine who I met over the internet, which is the which is the modern day how you make friends in 2022 and times of COVID and all this other uh, foolishness that we are living in in this current world. But anyway, let's not be in on there. Joining me is the fantastic uh, host of the J Reels podcast, the Bronx finest and greatest the one and only Jason Nazario. Jason, good to have you on again, pal. How you doing? Things good? Yes, things are good. Fantastic. Honor and pleasure to be here with you once again. 100%, man. 100%. You got it. Um, So let's yes, jump. Uh, well, before we jump into sports, this, of course, I like to do this with my guests all the time, do a little bit of uh, check-in. You know, how you feeling? How's the mentals? Uh, with the situation you're living in the Bronx, you know, how's work? How's the show coming along? You've been married for about a year and a half, going on two years now, I would imagine. How 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 is Jason Nazario, the human being, doing? Just give the audience a feel here at the top. Sure, I appreciate you asking. Uh, all is well. Just uh, completely grateful, thankful, and blessed. Even though going back into Manhattan, taking the commute day to day as I'm uh, back at work full time, 
Uh, it's a little bit of a grind. Not only that, but I know what my purpose is in life. And one of that is being, of course, doing the podcast, which I just celebrated a fourth anniversary on Tuesday. Good deal. So, yeah. So with that, it's uh, something that I'm definitely, definitely going to pursue and will continue to pursue. But I want that to be my end game as opposed to the nine to five grind. But with that aside, uh, all is well. Uh, still in good spirits. Of course, again, you're going to have those days where packed subways and the rat race of New York City, not having to deal with that for the last, let's say, a year and a half. But uh, I tell you, that is a small potatoes in comparison to not having a job or not having a roof over your head, food on the table, clothes on your back, et cetera. So that's where gratitude comes in. 100%, 100%. Um, has your, how's like your podcast doing as far as like your listenership, any sponsorships, any big time uh, A-list guests give, an op- give uh, the audience an opportunity to seek a little bit of insight on that? Well, I appreciate you asking. As far as the podcast is concerned, I'm currently right now in a stage of a little bit of transition and I'll even throw out a little nugget, which I haven't even put on my podcast just yet. But uh, come next month, April, I won't say which date, just to kind of leave a little bit of suspense. Uh, mm-hmm. I host a podcast every week, but it's actually going to go twice a week where I host Mondays or I have a release date on Monday and I'm also going to add Thursday to the mix. So between that and then hopefully increasing the visibility of the podcast, as far as sponsorship goes, I've been in contact with several different companies still waiting to hear back. Uh, you know how that grind goes. I don't have to explain that to you. And as far as guests, also trying to work some stuff behind the scenes. Uh, There's actually a guy that I got connected with who has contacts with former Major League Baseball players, which I'm looking to see and hopefully, fingers crossed, get on. I don't know how much they'll reveal considering the climate of baseball today, but just to get their experience of what it's like to be a part of the union, even if they played in the game going back a couple of decades. But just to get their insight is what I'm hoping to bank on maybe sometime as we get into April, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but some of my past guests, I had some good guests. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people know who Monica McNutt is now. She is on MSG covers a lot of the pre and post game for the Knicks, but you'll see her on ESPN, you'll see her on ACC network. Yeah. So I, this is going back a couple of years. I had her on. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was a great interview. Uh, I've also had various other athletes, whether it be, A.J. Ramos was a former reliever of the Miami Marlins, also the uh, New York Mets, which was pretty interesting because he talked about coming back from Tommy John surgery like in 10 months as opposed to a year and a half. And also he shared some stories about Jose Fernandez, the dearly departed. I also had an interview with uh, Tyrone Carter, who was a former uh, safety for the Steelers. And he had some very interesting nuggets that he shared about his days with the Vikings, about former coaches, shouted out Nick Saban. Yeah, he really went in on a few different things, not only about the league, but uh, his days at the Vikings and also uh, even where he went to school, University of Minnesota, how he was being recruited. He went through that whole process. So, yeah, I have a couple of, uh, amongst a few others, Kenny Anderson, a former net NBA player. This goes back several years, Tony Delk. So, yes, I'm trying to bring that fire, that passion, not only for the pod itself, but also those type of guests where they can share their experience with me and in turn share that with everybody out there. Good deal. Good deal. Um, so let's not waste any. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. I understand that you know it's March and it's been what about a, about close to a month 
uh, since it's uh, since it's all concluded. But we will begin with uh, your thoughts on the NFL playoffs. We'll go, but we'll make it quick. So we're not spending forty minutes on this. Um, sure. Uh, as so we're not to spend forty minutes on this. But let's do Wild Card Weekend first. The big stories from Wild Card Weekend. Um, let's uh, do the Cowboys first. You know, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys making a ton of excuses, blaming the refs. Uh, the bottom line is you guys didn't know the rules. You know, what are you yeah. doing running a QB draw with about 12 seconds left? Uh, and you got no and you got no timeouts in you, and you need to put the ball in the end zone in order for you to win the game. I, I absolutely destroyed McCarthy. Kellen Moore doesn't know anything. And Dak Prescott, who was completely overrated, you know, don't know the rules, doesn't win a lot of big games on the road. He's overrated because he's adapt because he because he wears the helmet with the big star on it with, with, in, in Dallas, Texas, and Jerry Bowe. He, he is not a top ten quarterback. And uh, I absolutely destroyed him. What was your takeaways from that absolutely fiasco that was that Cowboys win an honor came back on this, back on January what January sixteenth? Sixteenth, I believe. Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, if you're a Cowboy fan, that was a bitter pill to swallow. Now, we know that the Niners are going to be tough. We know that they're a team that has a lot of grit and is evidenced by the way they run the football. Granted that they don't have major stars other than Debo Samuel and, of course, George Kittle. But we know that the defensive front line was going to cause hay and that the Niners were going to be in this game. It was pretty much a coin flip. But the Cowboys, not only with what happened at the end of the game, but pretty much the whole year, as we've seen with the Cowboys, the discipline factor went right out the window. 14 penalties. Uh, I forgot how many yards they accumulated as far as all of those uh, offenses on the offensive side and, of course, the personal fouls. And, yeah, McCarthy, you kind of wonder. record for the most, for the most uh, penalties and penalty yards in the history of the franchise in the playoffs. And I got to listen yeah. to Mike McCarthy morning growing up at the refs. Yeah. No, and that, that's all on him. It's unfortunate because you would think that not to say they had to play a crisp game, but if they were a little bit more disciplined and even though they trailed pretty much the whole game, I mean, they were down seven, nothing on the first drive, 10, nothing, 23, seven, but they play terrible. And obviously as evidenced on that final drive where it looked like the Cowboys may be going in for the go ahead score. And as funny as it was, as we're watching it all unfold, I guess, what was it? 14 seconds left where Dak yeah. decided to take the ball and run straight up the field. And it kind of made you think whether or not he was going to slide because you figure even if he slid five yards before that, granted the clock's not going to stop, but at least if he slid, put the ball down or look for the line judge to say, here, here's the ball. Let's go to see if we could get one more playoff. Nope. He decides to take those extra five yards, gets up, tries to put the ball down as if to say, Hey, let's snap it. But he, we all know that's not the rule. And therefore, the clock expires and their season goes up in smoke. So the only thing I could say, it's just a shame on them for not only the way they played to start the game. It looked like they weren't even prepared. Not only that, but it also was evidenced by the way they performed on the field, not being as disciplined. And then on the final drive, just culminated with them not knowing the rules. And as we all know, this is going to be an enormous year for Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys, because as it is right now, and we could try to read the tea leaves from afar. If Mike McCarthy doesn't take his team to a Super Bowl and especially win it, we know one guy that's going to be waiting in the wings to pretty much supplant him as the next Cowboy coach in a one Sean Payton. So that's all you need to know about this upcoming Cowboy season. 100%. Uh, Jason, can you hear me okay? Yeah, loud and clear. Okay, cool. Because I had issues with the, you know, those dopey AirPods. You know, they, ch <laughs> they 
loose battery on you and a and snap of a finger at a clear blue skin, you got to adjust on the fly. But, you know, like you said, Mike McCarthy didn't get the Cowboys to Super Bowl. You know, you, Sean oh, Payton yeah. is going to be knocking on, on their door. So yep. you, this is which is why you, know, you can't make any excuses. And like you said, you know, people sit here moaning, groan, well, heinous ref ball this or the ref nah. football. No, you guys got the you, – you all are professional football players. Okay, and Prescott especially because he's a starting quarterback getting paid you're getting paid a lot of money, you know, yeah, 35 and get, million or whatever, and, get, yeah. and got a raise that I, I understand, you know, without a quarterback, you can't win. But in the grand scheme of things, Dak Prescott deserved to make 35, 40 million dollars a year. I mean, come on. Is he Mahomes? Is he Mahomes? Allen, nope. Burrow, Brady, when he was active, Rogers? No, not a chance. So That's you right. got, you got to know the rules, you know, and I said it in a rant, you know, last month, and I'll say it here again in a much more calmer fashion. You know, this isn't your annual uh, turkey Thanksgiving turkey bowl in, in your uncle's backyard where you got no refs and, you know, you're playing two-hand touch and you get to spot the ball wherever you please and the closest you think, you know, the uh, where the where the last play concluded. No, you get, the referees are there for a reason. The referee has to spot the ball before you can snap you can't just run up with the football because you're in uh because you're in a no huddle hurry up offense spot ball wherever you please and leave it at that no you gotta uh, the play has to end look for the referee you give him the ball same thing you know every every team does it every team every team does it in a no huddle offense you're moving quick you catch the ball or, or you get tackled, you give yourself up, you find the referee, you get the you give the ball to the closest referee, you sprint to the line of scrimmage so you can get another playoff or allow the quarterback to spike the football. And the fact that Dallas Cowboys did not know that Deck can pay 30, 35, 40 million dollars a year starting quarterback for the for the Dallas Cowboys. You gotta know that rule. Period. Bro. Yeah. And he's not, and he's not a rookie. He's been in the league since 2016, played football all his life. He should he should know the rule. And Mike McCarthy, who's a Super Bowl winning coach, who should know better. And Kellen Moore's been around, who's been around Bach a little bit, should know better. Should say, hey Dak, when you go to media, don't go throwing throwing the uh, throwing the referees underneath the bus. Because the bottom line is, we didn't know the rule. And in fact, yeah. it was a, a completely garbage, heinous, egregious, asinine play call to begin with, in which Dallas had no business being rewarded being rewarded for that stupid decision in in the first place anyway. Fourteen yeah. seconds left. No timeouts. I mean, come on. And and again, even if you were to justify that stupid decision to go for the quarterback draw, why did Dak? Why didn't Dak Prescott slide earlier? Getting an extra, getting an extra five to ten yards or so means nothing. You need a touchdown to win the game. And yeah. Mike McCarthy making it out to seem like, well, what would you rather do? You know, chuck the ball from the fifty yard line. Hey, Mike. If your quarterback who's make who's making forty million dollars a year can't can't throw the ball fifty yards, fifty, forty-five yards in the air on a Hail Mary play, we, right. we, we got we got we got more we got bigger and more important questions to ask. Because exactly. I mean about Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers could probably throw the ball into the end zone from the op from the opposite forty yard line. I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, Aaron Aaron Rodgers, we know is 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 the goat of the Hail Mary. We all know how great Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes' arm is. I mean, enough. Stop making excuses. 
If he can't, if he can't throw it, if he cannot execute the Hail Mary play, a play that was that 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 originated within the Cowboy organization with Roger Staubach and Drew Pearson back in the 70s. If he if he can't execute a Hail Mary play from the 50-yard line or from the 45-yard line of either side of the either side of midfield, we we got bigger issues because that that's just completely inexcusable. You, you can't defend it. Oh, absolutely, 100 percent agreed. And uh yeah, that's why the Cowboys uh were out in the first round and licking their wounds for Jerry and company to wonder, you know, what's going to happen next. And uh, again, there's a big season upcoming for them. And obviously the season hasn't even started as far as, you know, free agency that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, that was just a bit of pill to swallow. And they got to cut loose Amari Cooper because they gave, because they sat there and they gave Ezekiel Elliott all that money. He hasn't done a freaking thing since. Yeah, exactly. so, uh, it's a complete mess with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yep. Your Pittsburgh Steelers not showing. They got into the playoffs by the skin of the chin chin chin. Thanks to thanks to beating you know beating the Ravens. T.J. Yeah. White sensational, and the fact that Brandon Staley decided to call a timeout in that game against the Raiders instead of playing for the time. So you guys got in you know by the hair by the by the hair of your you know these this you can't see it but these little hairs <laughs> this little goatee that I'm growing at the bottom of my chin. Yeah, that's that's how close Steelers got into the playoffs, and then they got in. Were competitive. T.J. Watt made a play. I, I got to be honest. You know, I, the game was so dry. The game oh. was so. This game was so dry, especially in the very beginning. Coming off of that emotional high of that cow of that cowboy uh, of that cowboy 49er game, that literally I, I was starting to fall asleep because it was like he, he got all that emotion and he got this huge letdown. And I'm sitting in the chair. I'm like. My eyes were literally were closed, Jason. I gotta be honest. My eyes were literally closed, about to go to sleep, until I heard the inflection of Al Michael's voice for the T.J. White scoop and score touchdown. Which, like, oh, like, oh, okay. And now yeah. I'm awake, and I'm gonna start to pay attention to this game. And then, lo and behold, you know, they bring me back in, and then that's when they, you know, put me to put me to sleep again. But anyway, your thoughts on your 2020 Rick Steelers in there? Complete no show for about three quarters against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the funny thing is, is that they actually took the lead in the early part of the second quarter, and interestingly enough, before that, deep in their own territory, they got a turnover where the ball was deflected by T.J. Watt, it was intercepted, went the other way, where they had the ball at midfield. And I thought to myself, this is where the Steelers need to score because they had a few three-and-outs to start. Actually, they had they didn't have three three-and-outs. They had two three-and-outs, and then they had one where they got a first down, they punted. So then now, as Kansas City starting to march down the field, they get this turnover. So now they're about the their own 35-yard line. I said, they got to convert this to points because they cannot trade three-and-outs. They cannot get to a, a game where it's going to be 13-10. You know that's not going to be the final score. So, of course, they didn't capitalize there. And then that's when the Chiefs had the ball. Next thing you know, Cameron Hayward, strip sack, picked up into the house, T.J. Watt. You're thinking, wait a minute, what's going to happen here? But just like in baseball and the same thing with the NFL, especially the team that's a big underdog on the road, if you take the lead, especially with a touchdown, not a field goal, that next drive is pivotal because if you could slow down that offense or even stop them with three and out, then the momentum starts to build and maybe that sideline gets tight. But, of course, methodical. Bink, bink, bink. 7-7, seven, seven, the game is tied. And then before you could blink, it's 21-7, and the game is over. So, listen, for a quarter and a half, they made it interesting. Yes, it was a snooze fest from the start. Of course, I was riveted to see who was going to 
draw first blood. Steelers did. I didn't think it was going to stick. I figured if anything, if they get behind maybe 17-7, and I knew in my heart of hearts, even at 17-7, they're still not going to be in the game because the way their offense has performed pretty much the, all year, and in particular the last eight weeks of the season. Right. But, yeah, it just all went up in smoke pretty much after T.J. Watt. It was a situation where the Chiefs all of a sudden, we they woke up the sleeping monster by that play, and after that they meant business to the point where, what was it, 42-21, so they reeled off all those points, and yeah, that was pretty much it for the Steelers. As far as their season goes, uh, what could you say? They have barely an offensive line. Ben was on his last legs. They do have offensive pieces, but when you don't have an offensive line, as you could see, not only just for the Steelers, but for any team, you're not going to go far. And was it a shock that they made it to the postseason? Absolutely. Uh, did they have a chance? I guess if they're in the game, they have a chance, but let's face it, there was no way they were going to win in Kansas City on a night where it was closing out the wild card weekend, which was an abysmal weekend overall. And the worst weekend like, of the NFL playoffs was the, was the first one. Ah, uh, without question. So they put the final cherry on top for the wild card weekend with that performance. And uh, yeah, uh, another long off season for the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger hanging it up after what 18 seasons. Give me your, yep. uh, you know, I never liked him, you know, for obvious reasons. He plays for the Steelers. You know, yep. I, 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 I don't care for his arrogant, cocky, better than you attitude. You know, the way he treats, he's not exactly a warm and fuzzy guy as far as a teammate from an outsider's perspective. He, you know, the situations with the rape allegations turns me off as well. Uh, it, yeah. He hangs up after 18 years. Gritty quarterback, competitor, respect, respect the hell out of him, Ben Roethlisberger, the football player, especially during his prime years. Um, played in three Super Bowls, won two of them. Obviously, first battle Hall of Famer, in my estimation, a lot of people think I'm wrong. Best right. quarterback of that 04 class of Manning, Rivers, and, of course, uh, Ben. Give me uh, your two cents as a uh, diehard, lifelong Steelers fan on Ben Roethlisberger, his career, and him deciding to hang it up after this past 2021 NFL season. Oh, man, I'll try to keep this concise because I had an eight-minute video, I think, when he officially announced his retirement, uh, just going into pretty much his uh, whole career. But, yeah, I'll never forget the day when he was drafted. Uh, I was actually down there by the theater in Madison Square Garden to try to get into that draft. But, of course, all the Giant fans flooded into that area because they wanted to see if they were going to get their quarterback. And in this case, they had to draft Phillip Rivers to then trade with San Diego to get Eli Manning. And then, of course, with the 11th pick overall was Ben Roethlisberger. And this was the guy we felt as Steelers fans that considering from Terry Bradshaw and all of the muck and disgustingness in between. Yes, I know Neil O'Donnell took him to a Super Bowl. We know what happened in that game. And Cordell Stewart had his moments, but obviously imploded in big spots. And now we finally got our guy. And right off the bat, he comes in and he wins 13 starts in a row to the tune of him losing in the AFC championship game to who else Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And then the following year at seven and five, they ran the table. They won it for Jerome in Detroit, Super Bowl 40. And then at that point, it looked like not only were the seals going to be off and running with a young quarterback. And even though it wasn't really a veteran team because they're more defensive oriented at that time with Troy Polamalu, Joey Porter, uh, even a young James Harrison at that point, uh, James Farrier, middle linebacker. So with, the next step after that Super Bowl 
was the motorcycle accident. And then a lot of people thought that, was he going to be in critical condition? Was he going to live because he didn't have a helmet on? So the early reports at that time, and this is, of course, pre-Twitter, was what's going to happen with this guy? We, he wins a Super Bowl in the second year, and now we may not even have him. So he comes back from that, and then obviously all the stuff that you mentioned, which was, which was tough to take. The allegations, whether it be in Georgia at that bar near the uh, this boathouse or some uh, house by the lake where he rented, and then accusations later on in Vegas. And that was also you know, just the details of that. But again, he wasn't charged. Um, of course, it was settled you know, out of court. But then 08, they go on that run there and win the Super Bowl with the pass in the end zone to Santonio Holmes. And even though with that draft class of 04, Eli winning two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs, if Santonio Holmes did not catch that ball, if it was anybody but him, Ben would have been the MVP of that game. But neither here nor there. And then after that, he goes to the Super Bowl a couple of years later, loses to the Packers. And then from that point on, it was just they came up too short in various spots, losing at home, whether it was to the Ravens in the, in the wild card round, the AFC championship game, of course, against the Patriots in 2016, the brutal loss at home to Jacksonville when they were 13 and three and uh, the divisional round. And then obviously they haven't been able to win a playoff game since then, you know, losing in Denver. And this isn't even the Tebow game. This is even after that. Right. Uh, the, the, Pey- the Peyton Manning game in 2015. And then, of course, the, the, the spiraling effect in 2011, losing to Tebow in the wild card round. Tebow to Demarius Thomas, first player overtime, 80 yards. Tebow to exactly. the DT, God rest his soul. No, yeah, God rest his soul. And the funny thing is about, about that Peyton Manning game, I don't, a lot of people kind of forget it because the Broncos at that point turned it around. The Steels were up 13-12 in that game, and they were in Bronco territory. And if they would have scored a touchdown there, I think Peyton Manning would have been tight. I think it would have been a situation where, uh-oh, here we go again with some of those other previous playoff losses, whether it was uh, the home game to Indianapolis when they lost to Andrew Luck. Of course, the game against Baltimore and that divisional round, the Jacoby Jones, Jones game. And Fitzgerald Toussaint, a guy that's on nobody's radar, but he was the running back of the Steelers, and he fumbled the ball there deep in Bronco territory. And right after that, they marched down the field, scored a touchdown there early fourth quarter, and – that was it. But anyway, we're talking about Ben here. So the one thing that the mark that leads to me as a diehard fan was Ben Roethlisberger. Like you said before, he was gritty. He had the guts of a burglar. He had tremendous heart. And I said this even during the middle of the season. And granted, he was on his last legs and it was time for him to go. And I'm one of those that even though 18 years, I'll bring him back one more year. No, 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 no. It was time. But there isn't another guy in the league. Granted that he was literally on fumes for all the hits that he's taken, the sacks, et cetera, but there isn't any quarterback in football, even today, that had his heart, his toughness, and just his grit. And there are a lot of better quarterbacks, obviously now, because he's, he just turned 40, and there are a zillion other quarterbacks he would take. But again, what's in his chest, I tell you, man, I, I hope that the next dealer quarterback, whomever that may be, whether they draft somebody this year or even, dare I say, somebody from free agency, I hope he, they – has half of the heart that Roethlisberger has because maybe they will go places. But as we all know, if you don't have the quarterback in the NFL, chances are you're not going to win the Super Bowl. Right, 100%. With the grit and heart, you know, the last, I want to say great, but the last good playoff performance that Ben Roethlisberger had of his career was that 2017 Jacksonville game. Remember, he had, oh, yeah. he had that strip sack in the second half, and oh. all of a sudden we were thinking, 
are the Jacksonville now they did beat Pittsburgh, you know, convincingly, but give Roethlisberger all the credit in the world. I gotta pull up his stat sheet from that afternoon. But the Steelers oh, yeah. not, but the Steelers did not go down quietly. At least, at least in the meat and potatoes of that game, the steers did not go down quietly. And him, Ben Roethlisberger will find Martavis Bryant, will find Antonio Brown. I mean, the he wasn't great, and he had his no. mistakes, and he was part of the reason why Pittsburgh was in that early hole at the beginning of that game. But he showed tremendous grit and 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 was very heroic in that game, all things being considered. And who knows, that was like the the last true good good decent to good playoff performance we'd see out of Ben Roethlisberger in his career. And then, of course, you know, they miss it in 18 with the collapse. And then 2019, you know, forget the stats as stat padding, but was abysmal against the Browns. And then and against Kansas City about over a month ago, he wasn't that much better. But anyway. No, yeah, he wasn't. That's not no, actually not. That's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Let's do what stick with the wild card weekend theme with uh, the – Let's do the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. You know, Josh Allen threw five touchdown passes. The offense could do no wrong. They scored on every single position that they had, which was just absolutely sensational. Mac Jones, you know, first playoff start, brutally cold weather, didn't have the advantage of the wind whipping around so they could only, you know, where the ball was only in his hands five times. He had to throw the ball and outscore the Bills that night in order to beat them. What was your takeaways from that Bills-Patriots AFC wildcard game in brutally cold uh, Western New York? Yeah, that's a game where you just knew from the early part of that game, even when Mac Jones threw that interception down the field, and not to say that that was a turning point by any stretch, but you kind of thought to yourself and say, hey, this could be a long night. And then sure enough, it was. I mean, Josh Allen had his way with that New England defense. To me, that New England defense has always been overrated. I know even going back to Tom Brady's last year when he started off 8-0 and everybody was ranting and raving like the defensive metrics are similar to the 85 Bears. And again, that's a couple of years ago, but they were looking at this defense as being similar to that 2019 defense. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, how is that even possible? Because right. granted that, and I'm not a metrics guy, whether people do or do not know, and I get it that they're there for a reason, but again, it's the eye test. And that eye test that you saw that night in Buffalo was just Swiss cheese at its, I don't want to say at its finest. It's its finest if you're a Buffalo Bill fan or a Patriot hater, but right. they just had their way with them. Uh, Josh Hill was just pitching and catching all night. It didn't matter if it was five degrees or 55 below. It was just a game that got out of hand and certainly got out of the grasp of the New England Patriots. And it's just one of those games where uh, you just didn't have any answers for Josh Allen. You didn't have any answers for especially uh, a guy like even Gabriel Davis, who had even a bigger game the following game against the Kansas City Chiefs. But when you have a guy as red hot as Josh Allen was, especially to start off the wild card weekend, uh, the Patriots are just no match for number 17. 100%. 100%. And, you know, you ha- that that was 20 years of anger, frustration, like every single ounce of pain that when he's not there anymore. But the Belichick-Brady combination with the Patriots delivered to the Bills, that 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 was the, – they got their pound of flesh in that game. They yeah, got they, the only – I'm pretty sure if you were to ask a Buffalo Bills fan, they, they'd say, yes, yes, this is 100% accurate. The only thing that would have made it more satisfying 
would probably be if Brady was still on the Patriots. If oh, that's yeah. if that's if Brady is still on the Patriots and, and and they beat the and they beat the hell of them like they like they did with Mac with Mac Jones. They the Buffalo Bills fan that's got some age on them, they had they they the only uh I the only source of discontentment that they have with him is that he's a New England Patriot. But you know, right. Mac Jones, he's a, he's a rookie. You know, he was out, yeah. out of, he's a rookie. So outside of him wearing the Patriot uniform, the Buffalo Bills the Buffalo Bills fan holds nothing against Mac Jones. If it was Tom Brady, oh, it would have it would it would have been icing on a cake. Or the only yep. thing that probably would have made it a little bit more sweeter is if as if it was the AFC Championship game and they go to the Super Bowl, yeah. or uh. or if they beat them and they go. Let's say Tampa makes the Super. They go play Tampa in the Super Bowl and beat them and beat them and beat them uh, of that avenue. But you know yep. the the Buffalo Bills going to be a uh, a dominating factor in the National Football League for a good little while. Uh, it's a, another NFC playoff game, uh, Wild Card Weekend that I'm forgetting that's slipping my mind. Uh, oh yeah, you have uh, yeah. What's to talk about Philly and Tampa? I mean, yeah, uh, obviously I Jalen mean, Hurts. Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah. was it. In over, no. He's in over his head, and uh, listen, that was another game that you figure could have easily, if they didn't get off on the right foot similar to the Steelers, you know, that Sunday night, um, if they were going to fall behind the eight ball early and Jalen Hurts was not a factor, did not do anything with, it, with his legs. We know his arm, his strength is questionable, and if they're not running the football, especially predominantly with him or even with Miles Sanders or Boston Scott, doesn't matter. There were certainly no match for Tom Brady as they jumped out to what a 31 nothing lead before they were able to put points on the board. So, right, uh, just another two seven matchup, which uh, I wish the NFL would scrap because to yeah. me, as we saw there with the Steelers and Chiefs and the other two seven matchup, uh, again, those are games that they could certainly scrap, but we all know it's all about the almighty dollar and the ratings. Where I'm sorry, you could put these games Wednesday at three in the morning and they could have these games on the moon. And their ratings will still be through the roof. So to me, it doesn't matter if you put it in two extra playoff teams or you put put them on Monday night or put them a uh, triple header on a Sunday. It doesn't matter. People are going to watch these games. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, with that Monday, it would, I thought, you know, the 2020 year, I thought it was like, oh, okay, something different. You get the three games on bags of day. So I originally liked it. Heading in this year, I liked it because, you know, the I believe the Colts and 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 uh, Bills game was the 2-7 AFC in 2020, and that, and that was a very intriguing, entertaining football game. And then the next day, it's, you know, you see Saints-Bears, and it's like – yeah, and and then and then this year comes around, and you see Ugh. this year comes around, and you get Steelers, you get Steelers and Chiefs, and you get uh, Eagles and 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 Bucks, and it's like, yeah, we we we, we uh, they they'll they'll never do it unless they're absolutely forced to. But if I was the commissioner, I'd be like, yeah, we're doing we're doing away with the seventh seed. The way we had it was perfect. First two get a bye, one through six go from there. You know, I mean, yeah, hundred percent. And speaking of, and that Monday night game, which I, I, I hate the Monday night game probably more than I hate the, the 17th game and the seventh playoff team, because it is just a competitive disadvantage and it doesn't, I don't know whether it's the fact that the game was just bad and we'll break down the game in a minute, 
but it, it, there was no I, what I it didn't feel like I was watching a playoff game. You know, when you sit back and you watch what 16, 17 consecutive, you know, Monday nights from from September to early from to now early January, it doesn't feel like that I'm what that I'm watching a playoff game. It seems like that I'm watching a run of the mill. A run-of-the-mill regular Monday night football game on ESPN because like and, and it's it, it just doesn't have that feel because it's about 15 at minimum 15 million people watching it and and it's and Monday night football is a standalone game anyway where there's no other game on that day or during that time window than than that Monday night game you know unlike unlike a playoff game on a on a on a Sunday afternoon at one or four or one o'clock or four thirty, where it's like you know where you where like you kind of miss that urge of flipping around and turning on the red zone on the Sunday ticket and watching all the games happening at once. Monday night football, you don't get, Monday night football, you don't get you, there's that that feel is not there. And one, of, I think the biggest the biggest like in terms of atmosphere that goes into a NFL playoff game is the fact that it's standalone. Monday Night right. Football standalone in and of itself. Whether you, September, October, November, it's 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 standalone. It's standalone, and I don't know whether it's the fact that, that maybe that really holds a lot of water, holds a lot of weight, or because of the fact that the game was so bad, it did not feel like to me. I now, if you were a fan of either team, maybe obviously it felt different. But from as from a neutral perspective. It didn't have the feels of a playoff game. It felt like I was watching a Monday night football game that so happened to be a playoff game instead of a playoff game that was played on a Monday. See, when the NFL did that, they wanted it to be a playoff game that happened to be played on a Monday night, which, you know, kind of has that, you know, Monday night football with the theme and everything else. It it ended up being a a Monday night football game that happened to be a, that also happened to be a playoff game. Which 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 I don't like, and ju- and just the competitive disadvantage of, of regardless if the winning team plays on a Saturday later that week or Sunday six days later, either way you slice it, they're, they're gonna they're gonna have a shortened week, which which I, which I find to be completely completely unfair. I'd rather I'd rather them to, to start a playoff game at ten o'clock on a Sunday night than for them than for them to have a Monday night game where the winner is gonna have a short week no matter where you slice. Whether it whether it's whether it's five days or whether it's six days, I hate it. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. And uh, just to kind of put it in a big nutshell, it's one of those things where they're trying to reinvent the wheel. They're trying to extend a wild card weekend just another day, and it's almost as if like they're just thirsty, knowing that they're putting this game on a Monday night. And granted, let's say if this game was even a nail biter to the end. I would still look at it as thirsty because the NFL doesn't need to do this. I get it that it's 2022. I get it that it's all about content. I get it that it's all about the NFL being the biggest sport on the planet, but they don't need to resort to this. They should just do the three and three, keep it Saturday, Sunday. And that's the way it should be. Football is meant to be played on a weekend. Even if it is the playoffs, I understand by some God forsaken tragedy or even a scenario where let's say weather was involved where they had to postpone the game. All right. That was just uh, whatever good, the, the good Lord just trying to sabotage the NFL for one day. But as we know, that doesn't really happen. The bottom line is this. I thought it was unnecessary for them to do that. And what made it worse was the game itself. And they're not going to revert back to the three and three. At least I don't think they're going to continue this well, uh, down the road. And yeah, to me, 
I didn't like it from the start, and I certainly don't like it now, and I definitely won't like it in the future. Well, they well they might, and that's the one, th- and that's the one thing that gives me a that gives me a little bit of hope is the fact that they might do that because unlike you know taking away a playoff team, which taking away a playoff teams which takes away two playoff games, t- so that you know that so they they lose money by taking away. You know they don't if they were to if they were to revert to um to going back to three and three like they originally had it on uh like they originally had it uh in 2020 they're they're not they're not losing anything they still have the game they still will get the 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 money and the revenue will still be the same will still be the same if they uh if they go back to the three on saturday sunday so i actually i i disagree with you on that because i think it you know it was it was it was the lowest it was the lowest rated playoff game we're at uh mm-hmm. at at tw- at uh at 23 at 23 million with the highest one being san francisco dallas they got 41 million and the second highest being philadelphia tampa at 30 million so i so i think if, if they sense a trend that not a lot of people are are you know really dig or are into the money game i think that they will say you know what and and if and especially if the team's you know, call up the league office and scream out, say, "Hey guys, what are you doing to us? Screwing us over, giving us a short work week in the playoffs? I mean, regular regular season fine, but playoffs is winner go home. We're trying to win the championship here. I mean, I understand you guys. You, I understand you guys make money, but uh, and I'm trying to print money hand over fist. But this, is a, so as so if the, I could see them saying, you know what, you know, maybe not next year, but I could see them somewhere down road down the road saying, you know what." Uh, we'll 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 do the we'll do the th- we'll do the three and three thing and and get, and get off of, because people because the bottom line is like you said they're going to draw the higher rating they're going to draw ratings and they're going to get people in the stands watching the games anyway and if anything it's going to be hot it's going to be higher on the weekend it's going to be higher on the weekend rather than on a weeknight. Where you know right. people and I and I said this at the time and they announced they were going to do this in the middle of the season. It's like uh, and a perfect example with the Rams, a West Coast team. You, you got a playoff game at five at five five thirty local time on a Monday. Is that is that really yeah. is that really what we're going to? And, and it's so apropos that they got two West Coast teams to play in that first ever or the first time in quite a while that fir- that first Monday night uh, playoff game. And it's sorry, it serves them right because you screw up. You, you get, you're basically giving the finger to your West Coast fan. You know, if, if their team, a lot of the Rams, a lot of the Cardinals, by sticking them on West Coast for for a five for a six thirty five thirty local time playoff game. You know, on a Monday, not a Sunday, not yeah. a Saturday, a Monday where people are living their daily lives, going back and forth from, from school. Work, wrestling practice, basketball practice, what have you? And oh, oh by the way, there's a there's a playoff game. I mean, really? Yeah. I got I got to go to work or go to school and and, and be and be you know worrying myself sick about a about a playoff game that starts twelve hours from now. I mean, put the weekend. You you want to get a high rating anyway. You're the NFL. It's playoffs. Stadium's going to be packed. Just but what are you doing? Like you are. Yeah. That that's the case of the NFL of the NFL trying too hard and trying to create something that that doesn't exist. Swallow yeah. your pride, swallow your ego. You don't have to lose any money because you're not taking away playoff teams. They're taking away a playoff game. No, you, you're, it's it's still the same. 
You're better off with the and, – and the three games on the back-to-back days, we had six games two days. That was a tremendous success. Why ruin yeah. it? So if I'm somebody in the league office, I'm like, guys, we, I, you know, we, we I think it's best that we get off the Monday night and just do the three, just do the three and the three. I think totally I think agree. it'd be better if they just go back. I don't like the extra playoff game to begin with, but the the three and three was the way to go. The this, the three two one with incorporating yeah. the Monday night in between, where you're also screwing up, screwing up, uh, you know, it, it, with the competitive, with the winning team, you know, having a short work week, you know, having to play that Sunday, you know, T- Tampa had, and I understand the Rams won the game. Tampa played Sunday against the Eagles, played that next Sunday afternoon, and they were the home team. Rams, they were the home team, played a Monday night, had six days to prepare, and oh, by the way. They had to fly cross country to play the game. I yeah. mean, that that's that's not right. That's a, if I if I was a Ram player, coach, executive, or Stan Kroenke, I'm calling up Rogers like, Raj, are you kidding me? Not only does my my team's got to fly cross country, that's bad enough. They they I got to have a short work week on top of it. But here's the crazy thing. Little did we know at the time that they ended up being Super Bowl champions. So <laughs> I, I'm sure they, as much as they would probably bitch and moan or complain on the side, like, hey, what's going on here? We're getting the short end of the stick. Monday night, 5.30 local to fly cross country, lose three hours, and then have to fly back to play seven days later in a championship game, although in their building. And then obviously with the Super Bowl, I, I'm sure if they could do it all over again, although they wouldn't like it, but if they knew they were going to get the brass ring at the end of the day, I'm sure they would probably do it. But I, I totally agree with everything you said, though, Jack. And and does Kyler Murray, you know, have to act like a have to act like a petulant child with his contract? I mean, yeah, it's you're you're not Lamar Jackson, who has an MVP and who's yeah. a much better than Kyler Murray is. You're yep. not Mahomes, you're not Allen, you're not Burrow, you're not Rogers, you're not Brady when he was still an active player. Shut up. Just shut you you took yourself out of the playoff game. I mean, would 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 would, would Unitas, Brady, Rodgers, oh, would, yeah. would any all-time great quarterback, whether in playing in 21st century, in the 90s, 2000s, 70s, 80s, 60s, you name it, yeah. any all-time great respectable quarterback takes himself out of a playoff game? I don't care how bad you can be. Yeah, Mac Jones is a rookie. Stayed out there and took his lumps against Buffalo. I mean, yep. th- 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 there's 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 no excuse for that whatsoever. And you know, you hear rumors. I get it's rumors. It's hearsay. He said, she said. You hear you hear talk that that he's not beloved by his teammates, and he he was he was terrible the back end of the season. Was not good against was not good against the Rams in both games, the playoff game and then the Monday night game in his own in his own building in early mid December. Outside outside the Cowboy game where he where he's freaking Tom Brady when he's playing at AT and T Stadium. Outside of that game, he was abysmal second half of the season, and he's gonna moan and groan and and, and cry and kick and scream holding up holding out for trying to get a contract extension. I understand in the days of player movement and of the 21st day way with, with the players and the players now, like they, they, in essence, especially in the NFL and the NBA, they, they hold the power. But in situations like this, what, what, what power do you hold? 
you you have you have won a playoff game. You haven't played a conference championship. You haven't won a conference championship. You haven't played it nor won a Super Bowl. You haven't won an MVP. Something that um, at at the very least, Lamar Jackson has done. You've done you've yeah. done none of that. When when the Ravens were 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 firing and clicking on all cylinders in 2019, they they didn't nosedive. They didn't nosedive and crash the last the last month of the year and 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 lose a division that we all thought was going to be a runaway to have to go play a road playoff game. Uh, Lamar yeah. Jackson 2019 Ravens didn't do that. The 2021 Arizona Cardinals did, and I I don't I'm not. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't give Lamar Jackson a contract extension at this very moment in time. I'd let him play out this year and see where we go after the 2022 season. But if you're going to compare and contrast, I will give Lamar Jackson a contract extension a hundred times before I give Cal, before I give one to Kyler Murray. I mean, what? What? You, you got one Hail Mary play to DeAndre Hopkins. Congratulations. Where's your playoff win? Yeah, you would think that uh, this is a big offseason for him, too. And they just signed Cliff Kingsbury to an extension, which, which is, is terrible. dubious. Terrible. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I'm being that, nice how, to say dubious. How many, how many late season collapses? I mean, if if yeah. anything, he's on the hot seat heading into next season. If I'm sitting I'm like, I'm not giving this man a contract extension. He has to prove to me that, okay, you start 5 0, 6 0, 7 1, 9 1, 10. I don't care. If you start out hot, don't collapse. You have the division in your hands. Don't don't give it away. Especially yeah. when you had the Rams on the ropes, losing Robert Woods and the sky and the Matthew Savage reverting back to his Detroit ways, and the perennial sky was falling on the Rams. I mean, unacceptable. And you and they give him a contract extension, Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. If I was their boss, 2022 season, they, they they'd be playing for their jobs. They'd be playing for their jobs. And to give yeah. Cliff Kingsbury a contract, the GM I'll live with because, because he's put together a decent because he's put together a decent roster. You know, the the DeAndre Hopkins put together a decent roster. But Kingsbury has zero business. His playcock management is terrible. He and Kyler. And I also and I also I could now at this point I could see where Kyler Murray gets upset. Hold on now. My head coach, who, who who within my who I know good and well in between my ears, isn't the greatest at uh, at in game and, and 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 game clock management. You give him a contract extension, and you don't give me. You you can't win with me. I, I'm I, you know you can't win with the starting quarterback. I, I'm the player. You know I get injured. It's you know that's it. I tear my ACL. You guys are screwed. Kingsbury tears his ACL. He's got to coach games up from up the top of a booth. And, and, and last time I checked, we're in this thing together. You give him a contract extension, you don't give me one. That I can understand. I I don't like it, but that I can understand. But he was born and going to kick and scream about his contract before they even extended Cliff uh, Cliff uh, Klondike bars, I like to call him. So that's out the window. <laughs> Either way, both of those two, the coach and the quarterback, I was their boss. They'd be coaching and playing for their lives in 2022. You, you yeah, no. collapse in the second half. You collapse in the second half of the season again, and or don't show up in a playoff game. Said Ky yeah. Kyler, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take my chances. Cliff Kingsbury, here's your pink slip. Get out of my face. Stupid That's decision it. by the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then let's go to the divisional round. 
with uh, it all the fantastic games from beginning to end. Um, when we'll start uh, with, uh, we won't do the Bengals side of things for us. We'll save them for last. But from a Tennessee Titans sort of things in the Bengals Titans game. You know, you can't win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. You'll be good. You'll be competitive. You'll win that weak division. You'll get the one seed. But, uh, but you get, you know, let's be honest. If any of the other quarterbacks, with the exception of Jimmy Garoppolo, if the quarterbacks that were playing that weekend, whether it be Rodgers, Staff, whether it be Rodgers, Stafford, if Burrow was a Titan, or uh, or who or who else, Mahomes or Allen, the Tennessee Titans win that win that game. But yet, yeah. Ryan Tannehill couldn't get. I that game taught me. Now, I, now it's funny. I went on the air and said after that game and said, you know, it, it don't matter how many times you get sacked, you win the turnover battle, you win the game. Well, the Bengals won, us turnover, won the turnover battle in the Super Bowl. Burrow got set nine, nine million times. I think he got six or seven to the nine in Tennessee. Anyway, he got sacked a whole bunch, then turned over the football, and they lost the game. Well, I was kind of proven right because the reason why they lost the game is because the Rams didn't have a South Shack quarterback. The Tennessee Titans did. On top of the fact that, that the Titans, in my estimation, Try to force Derrick Henry back into the game plan way, way, way too much. And, 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 and you know, they're trying to force that square peg into a round hole. Instead of running with the, with the guy that got him there, I forget his name off the top of my head, uh, and who had, that, who had that long, tremendous run prior to the – Deontay uh, Foreman, yeah. Right, Deontay Foreman had that long run that put the Titans – in, in Cincinnati's red zone, and then about a play or two later, you know, here comes Ryan Tannehill, takes takes the bait, and, it, and it's a tipped, it's a tip, it's chip, tip drill interception by Mike Hilton on, on a screen pattern. So I don't know about you, but I think that they could be good. They can be competitive because he's got a good roster, hell of a defense. Vrabel's an excellent, excellent coach. Uh, and Derrick Henry, of course, we all know the best running back in football. But 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 they're a lot. But they, I think they've reached their peak and reached their ceiling with Ryan Tannehill behind center. What about you? Oh yeah, I mean everything you said, I totally agree. And as we all know, Tannehill's a guy that maybe in the regular season he'll have his moments. Uh, we saw what he did in that postseason where he went to an AFC Championship game. Granted that he had a healthy Derrick Henry, but right when the money's on the line, this is a guy you can't rely on. And it's no offense to him. I mean, he is a He's an average quarterback and he can play above average at times, but yes, the stars would have to be aligned perfectly in order for the Titans to win a Super Bowl, meaning that Henry's going to have to carry the ball 25 times, rush for well over 100 yards. Yes, right. he's going to have to make some plays to his wide receivers from here and there. And obviously, the defense is going to have to make plays. And obviously, in that wild, uh, excuse me, in the divisional game, their defense got nine sacks. And great, they didn't get any. Big turnovers. I understand Burrow did throw that one interception there early in the third quarter, but it wasn't damaging to the point where, A, they didn't win the turnover battle, and, B, they weren't able to get the ball loose out of Burrow with all the nine sacks. Right. But as far as Tannehill goes, yeah, he's a guy that, let's face it, you can't rely on. He's not a guy that's going to get you to a Super Bowl or put you over the top. All the stars have to be aligned in order for them to get to that point. And it's definitely remains to be seen on whether or not he's going to be a guy that's going to do that. Me, I don't think so. But stranger things have happened in the NFL. And again, everything would have to break right in order for them to achieve that brass ring with Ryan Tannehill under center. 
Yeah, he he's he's far from he's far from the answer. Game number two, and I absolutely destroyed him on this. You know, for all the noise and just the foolishness, the tomfoolery, and and nobody had really came out and said it. I'll say it for him. Another distraction. And you put up with it because he's a talented quarterback going to the Hall of Fame, won a Super Bowl, it's one about what four or five MVP back to back 2020, 2021. We'll live with it. We'll live with it. You know, from Packers perspective, you live with it. But for all the noise and the foolishness and the tomfoolery and just the pure and utter distraction, Aaron Rodgers has been to that team from the first night of the draft in late April all the way up into the week prior to the game where he was quoted for criticizing Biden and, and elections. It's just a whole just smorgasbord gobbledygook of bullcrap. The, the leading up to the week of that that 49er game and he goes out there and he can only score what i what's it third i got i'm out of the, it's march so i'm yeah. out of the football I, what he scored 13 points i mean no uh, disgraceful 10, 10 points in the game on the opening drive they score a touchdown seven nothing you're thinking to yourself oh let's see if the packers are now going to run the niners out of the building we knew that wasn't going to be the case because the niners do have a pretty stout defense but after that they absolutely did nothing. And to think they got the turnover. Ten, late points. In the first half. 10 points. Yeah, they scored 10. Yeah, because they lost 13-10. They did get the turnover late in the first half to where Aaron Rodgers finds Aaron Jones for that, what was that, that 75-yard re, uh, reception, and it set him up in field goal range right before the half, and then what happens? It gets blocked. And as we all know, the special teams were awful, and that's pretty much what doomed them. But at the same time, when you're up 13, when you're up 10-7, and 10-10, you go three and out on back-to-back -back drives until the Niners cash in on the final drive and win in the closing seconds with a field goal. If you're the back-to-back -back MVP, if you're a guy that's supposed to be one of the all-time greats, and he still is an all-time great, but as far as being in the pantheon, to be in the discussion with Tom Brady, with Peyton Manning, with Johnny Unitas, 100%. those guys. Joe, Joe Montana, and, 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 even, and even Peyton Manning a little bit because he should – because Peyton Manning, for all of his greatness, all of his regular season talent and stature, he should he should have played in more than what he played in four Super Bowls, only won two of them. I mean, right. even Peyton Manning yeah, win, winning days. two Super Bowls is, is very underwhelming for the great player that he was, especially in the regular season. But anyway, you make it. Yes. So, but going back to Rodgers, yeah, he's the one that uh, has to be fingered, not all the blame, but especially at, 10-7 and 10-10 for him not delivering his team, at least just to move the chains. Right. That would have been even suffice, just to kill some time off the clock. Maybe the game goes in overtime. Maybe he does move them down the field to the point where they kick another field goal, whether it's 13-7 or they take the lead 13-10. Not even that. And it compounded that with last year's NFC Championship game performance against Tampa. Uh, it leaves a lot of question marks for the Packer faithful, wondering whether or not, yes, this guy from September – through early January, obviously gets the job done. But when the game's money on the line, mid-January to late January, he doesn't deliver. And I have Rodgers fatigue. I could care less about what happens this offseason. I don't care if he starts his own league. At this point, I've just had enough of Aaron Rodgers. I didn't want to know about him. I'm sure he's going to stay in Green Bay and they'll take one more shot at this. But, yeah, it, if you're a Packer fan, this one – it's just going to stick in your craw a lot more longer, considering what's happened here the last two years in that building in the postseason. I mean, it's. I mean, he goes on there, speaks about 
Like Aaron, and he's got yeah, again. He's... He he's got a right to speak his opinion. It is America, but when he goes out there, talk and 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 and, and just spews misinformation and conspiracy theory, anti science bullcrap, and just it just sound, comes off as a as a as a conceited, arrogant, uh, short sighted, yeah. selfish individual, and he goes out there in a playoff game and scores ten points, ten points. I, mean, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I can't take you. I don't want to hear from you. I've. I really. I really, 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 really don't. You know. And nobody wants to hear celebrities, athletes, or nobody wants to hear them talk about stuff outside of their profession. And they go out there in their professional life and and and, and give the pink customer garbage. Nobody wants yeah. to hear. Nobody wants to hear. It's it's it's, it's a tough fact of life. But no, nobody wants to hear from you. It's the bottom line. If if he's that serious, ret- quit today, retire, and go learn, go study, be a doctor. Or if you don't like the way the world is run, retire today and, and, and become a politician. But don't sit up here and sit on your high horse because you're Mr. Aaron Rodgers and think that just because you don't have to throw a football ball that you have all the answers and and my opinion is and my opinion is is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Uh, because, because I'm starting to quarterback in the National Football League who knows how to throw a football really well. You're not a scientist and you're not a politician. The election was real, was legitimate. Biden won. If you think not, go you need you donate your brain to science and you need some serious help. I kill us whether whether or not you like Biden or Trump. I'm not interested. The bottom line is that it was real. And if you're hearing anything otherwise, you're you're, you're being fed 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 a fed a plate of lies. And the bottom line is all the misinformation about COVID. Aaron, you got people all of a sudden left and right dying with dying with the disease. Carl Anthony Towns no longer has his mother because 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 of this because of this terrible heinous disease. And you're gonna sit here and get on your high horse about Joe. Rogan and Ivermectin, all this other goobly gock nonsense. Go to hell, Aaron. Will you please? And he's following you to score 10 points in a playoff game. I mean, and he goes and he screams and yells about how I don't have any help and, and nah, belly aches and moans and goes and complains. And, and, you know, then he want Randall Cobb on the team and he never threw him the ball. Yeah. He's got he's got Alan Zarda wide open in the middle of the field and he keys in on Devontae Adams and he keys in on Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield. It's always what he gets. Yep. And I understand that Matt LaFleur isn't Vince Lombardi. And I understand that 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 that, that the special teams was was abysmal. But 10 points, 10 points to, as, as the back-to-back NFL MVP. And you give me 10 points and a whole playoff game in, in the snow against against a team whose quarterback is going to be gone by next season from California. I mean, seriously? Yeah. So enough. Of Aaron Rodgers, it's enough. I could care less about his about his relationship with Shailene Woodley, who yeah. oh, reputed to be beautiful. I'm not interested. I could care less about 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 the cleansing of him of him taking oil up his ass. I, I'm not. Who cares? When playoff games nice. got me all riled up and all pissed off now. I apologize. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, moving on to and uh, Tampa and the uh, and the Rams. Uh, in twenty-seven to three, boy genius McVeigh. I hope I hope he hits his. I hope he's a religious man and he hits his knees and he thinks a higher power that Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford's on his football team because they're fumbling the football left and right, you know. And and he almost and he almost got in trouble. Same thing with uh, with Vrabel 
in the Bengals Titans game. He gets his he gets his running back back off of a big time off of a uh, big time substantial injury and he wants to force feed him back back into the offense as if it's business as usual. It costed Vrabel getting away from getting away from uh you know force feeding Derrick Henry with the running game and it almost ended up costing McVeigh trying to force feed uh trying to force feed Cam Makers when everybody knows that Sony Michelle at this point in period of time, you know, you you dance you you dance and you stay with the girl that you brought with to the dance and he's trying to force feed can makers when he went off when Sony Michelle's been carrying the load for him all season long and almost come back and almost came back to bite him in the fanny on top with with uh with uh with acres fumbling the football left and right and the fact that and the fact that their defense completely imploded Jalen Ramsey being one of them getting beat down the right sideline by a Devontae Adams so Get, what was your takeaway from that Rams and uh, Bucks game and the twenty-seven to three comeback that happened? They tied up the game, but it would have been legendary and catastrophic from the Rams if Tampa would have uh, walked away with the victory. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's uh, one of those games where it was almost a tale of two halves. Even though the Rams had the lead there, what was it, mid third quarter? Yeah, twenty-seven three, and they actually could have got more points if it wasn't for Acres fumble that he had there deep in Tampa Bay territory. What was that late first half? I want to say well, it was yeah, to three. right before the half. Right before yeah, the exactly. Half. So they could, they could have cast That's it on more points then. But uh, yeah, so they came back in the game. Thanks to fumbles by Cooper cup, Cam Akers, but Matthew Stafford, he was brought to LA for this one prime reason. And granted he never trailed in the game, but he made two big throws. I mean, that's all there was to it. Obviously to throw the cup there to pretty much seal it to, kick them into the NFC championship game, but it was a valiant effort by Tom Brady and company. And I'm sure there were a lot of people that were either relieved because they were already sick of seeing Tom Brady advance further into the postseason. I was rude for example. Oh yeah. And, I, mean, I, I, was, I, I think I, I had this t-shirt on. I had the other TV 12 shirt. I had. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was pulling for Tampa. And just how, and now that we know that Brady's retired, you know, how apropos is it that the final game he ever played in, it was kind of like a microcosm of his career, how he was, you know, he, he was overpowered, dominated. Everybody thinks he's, oh, he's done, he's down for the count. And then out of clear blue sky, you know, 27 to three, comes back and he ties up the game. And I had a feeling watching that game, think, you know, well, of course, the mindset that Tampa, uh, was going to lose that 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 was going to be Brady's final game. It just had a it had like a weird feel to it. Uh, he had his whole family there, you know. He was he wasn't really he wasn't really like that that fiery Skip Bayless calls him Psycho Tom, but he he wasn't like that 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 fiery impassioned like that 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 that. You know that, that he didn't have like that Michael that Michael Jordan in him that we've seen all over the couple where he's cussing and screaming on the sidelines. He's going crazy. He's he's pissed, you know he's yanking his helmet strap. You know in the same game where they couldn't score any we couldn't score any points where he destroyed the Microsoft Service tablet and chucked it. He was he was all angry and all pissed off. And you never really saw that in that game against the Rams. The only emotion that you really saw was when he was extremely pissed off where 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 his lip was bleeding and he screamed and yelled at Sean Hockley and got a 15 yard on sports like outside of that, you know, he was very he was like 
like even keel. And you know, now that I'm thinking it, you know what it kind of reminded me of? I don't know if you've ever okay. seen it. It's a baseball movie. It's called For the Love of the Game. It has Kevin Costner in it. Oh, sure, yeah. And during that the entire movie, Costner is like so in tuned with his inner thoughts. And like you see in the movie, he's like talking to himself the whole time. He's so like in tune with his inner thoughts and where like everything else seems like white noise. He's so like dialed in, not necessarily on the game, but what the stuff going on in his life, in his head, where he's pitching. I th- it was either a perfect game or no, he's pitching a no hitter. And, and, like, he doesn't notice it, he doesn't realize it because he's, like, talking to himself, he's thinking, he's fine. It kind of – he kind of got this similar feel with Brady where, like, he's so, like – he was probably knew, like, in his head that it was it. And he kind of – and I bring it up, like, during the course of the comeback because it's not like – yeah, he's not pumping his fist, screaming and yelling. It's like you tie the game up. It's like, you know, you, you kind of saw, like, little to no emotion out of him. And then when they lost the game, when, when their defense collapsed – you know, he stayed on the field. He shook everybody's hand. He that the it was it was you you saw a different Tom Brady that kind of knew within his heart of hearts that 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 it was truly going to be the end. And I've seen Brady lose a lot of playoff games, a lot of tough ones, a lot of gritty ones, and I've seen him play a lot of games where he gets banged around and the opposition and the opposition does his best to try to intimidate him. And and that angry, like in that angry, like sore loser emotion that you typically see out of him, you, you didn't, you didn't see it, you didn't see it, which was, uh, yeah. which was complete, which was weird but telling, you know. And I, and I know it's like watching this binary scene. I was, I, I'm telling him like, Brady, if Bucks lose this game, that's that's gonna be it for Brady's career. I, I, I just had that sense, and I just, I had that feeling, and the fact of like how storybook it was. For him to have the to have the comeback to force the game into over to force the game into overtime, and right. of course you figure full circle where I believe his first start of his NFL career was against the Rams. The first Super Bowl he won in his career was against the Rams. The last Super Bowl he won with the Patriots was against the Rams, and the final yep. game of his career, was, yeah, was against the Los Angeles well St. Louis, but not you know the Rams yeah. franchise. Absolutely. That's what I took away from. I think I cut you off in the middle of your monologue. I- no, 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 that's uh, that's perfectly fine. No, I, listen, I totally agree with, with pretty much everything you said. And uh, like I said, it was just a game where uh, the Rams give them credit. You know, they didn't implode. They didn't look at the spotlight, or they didn't look at the at it being bigger than what it was. The game was tied. They did come from behind, and they were able to make a couple of plays, and obviously highlighted by the big throw from. Matthew Stafford, the Cooper Cup, hundred percent, hundred percent, and then the game, and then the game that people, you know, one of the greatest games in history between Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, really, not much to break down because both offenses were just tremendously talented. My biggest takeaway from the game was the fact that I want everybody screaming them on about the overtime rules. You know, he play, play defense, play. Yep. and again, I'm and I you. said this at the time, I'll say it again. It wasn't like. It wasn't like that every single offensive possession that you know there was a touchdown. There were there was a point in period of that game in the first in the first uh, in the first half where there were three consecutive offensive drives from both teams that ended in a punt. After both teams traded touchdowns, it was seven seven, and then it was Buffalo punt nine plays twenty four yards, Kansas City punt three plays six yards, Buffalo punt three plays six yards. No, no, no. no. Defense was played. 
three and outs. Kansas City back to back, but excuse me, Buffalo back back possessions three and out. Kansas City a possession in between. They they punted, uh, and then uh, you know, and then you, and then you had a point in period uh, in the second half where after uh, where after a Kansas City field goal, a Buffalo punt, a Kansas City touchdown, a Buffalo touchdown, back to back offensive drives. Kansas City seven plays twenty nine yards punt, Buffalo four plays seven yards punt. So it wasn't like it wasn't like to think that that both teams scored 50, 60 points in a the game. They, you know, you had you had Buffalo had one, two, three drives where they punted. Kansas City had one, two drives where they punted, and they had and they were forced to kick a field goal one, two, three times. Play defense. It's that simple. Yeah. And, and the greatest feeling of validation for me kicking and screaming and saying that the next week, Kansas City, Kansas City, Cincinnati, AFC Championship game, 21 3 come, yep. comeback. Chiefs win the toss. Arrow Ed goes, Oh, we won the toss. Celebrate as if they just won the game. Mahomes nearly cost them the game on the first play or two of the overtime. If Eli yep. Apple could have caught the ball, he would have walked into the end zone. A few plays later, Beat bound to Tyree Kill, deflection by Jesse Bates, who needs to be extended, by the way, into the arms of uh of Von Bell for the interception. And it's like all you people sitting up there that came at me on Twitter and was saying, Jai, you're nuts, you know, you're nuts, you know, it's we want to see more football. Both teams get possession, it's not fair. DDD. Why do you think? And I don't believe in coincidences. Why do you think next week, the the next Sunday? Kansas City, same team in the same building, different opponent this time. Higher stakes on the line. Game went in overtime. Kansas City won the toss. Cincinnati's defense able to make a stop, play defense, force the turnover, ended up winning the game. Leave the yeah. overtime rules alone. Leave I agree, thousand percent. I totally agree. Um, yeah, and yeah, like there's not much to pretty much say about that game. And I know you even kind of segued it to the uh, AFC Championship game as well, with the of course the ending of the. Kansas City, Cincinnati game, but yeah, that, that game was one for the ages, Buffalo, Kansas City. I know that it's all going to boil down to not even just the overtime, but those 13 seconds. Why did they kick that ball into the end zone? To me, they should have, I don't even like to squib it there because I want them to earn it, kick it to where they even get the ball at the five because you want to kill time there. And that's what doomed Buffalo in that case because all it took was a couple of plays, obviously tied the game with a field goal as regulation time expired. And then we saw what happened there in the overtime. And uh, that, that, that's pretty much it. I'm with you with the overtime rules. Just keep it as it is. Don't change it. And I'm glad that a week later we saw that Casey didn't go down the field, punch it in the end zone, and then back-to-back weeks they won on the opening drive to where the argument and the groundswell for the fans and even for the league to say, hey, we're going to have to change these overtime rules moving forward, especially in the playoffs. But uh, I think that was put to rest. A week later, considering that the Bengals were able to escape out of Arrowhead with an AFC Championship trophy, hundred percent. And let's talk about that game. You know, uh, and again, we'll save my Bengals perspective for last from a Kansas City perspective. Twenty-one-three. I mean, that that you know, and maybe it maybe be a little bit more magnified if the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl. But twenty-one-three. You collapse like that at home in an AFC championship game. I mean, that if if it wasn't for Kansas City making it to back-to-back Super Bowls and winning one of them, then maybe the fact that the Bengals 
losing the Super Bowl, which they did uh, two weeks later, probably takes a little bit of the edge off. But in the but if this is like uh, if this is the Titans or the Ravens or, or or the Buffalo Bills, you know, a team that hasn't made it to the Super Bowl with their current core, their current core group within the last few seasons or so, that's that's talk that's heavily talked about. That's catastrophic. You have a double digit lead, twenty one three, home. AFC Championship game, your fourth consecutive appearance, and the fourth time it's been in your, and also fourth straight year it's been in your building too. And, it's, and they aren't spring chickens at this. Back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, a large chunk of that 2019 championship team is still on the roster, and you collapse like that. Your defense in the second half, and and the Chiefs' offense just completely stalling. Mahomes throwing two interceptions. I mean, it's just, it's just disgraceful. And how about Andy Reid and Biennemi getting cocky instead of just taking the easy points before the half, trying to throw in a screen pattern to, to Tyree Kill in the red zone, knowing good knowing good and full well Cincinnati got the ball to start of the second half, knowing that if they got a stop, it would inject a little life into them going into halftime. Why, yeah, why, you know why, why play with fire in that situation? I don't understand. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I actually agreed with them trying to go for a touchdown there. It was five seconds to go. The play call was horrendous. Uh, let's call it as we see it. Uh, if they try to just snap it, throw it into the end zone, and even if it was incomplete, I get it in the middle of the field with a lot of traffic. It could be intercepted, but I figured that if they were going to take one shot, they had four seconds tops, and with the ball being incomplete, they had one second to kick a field goal, and it would have made it at that point. It would have been 24-10. But here's the thing. Now we can finally hang the label of baggage around Patrick Mahomes when it comes to the playoffs. Andy Reid, we know his history in the postseason. Granted that he finally got a Super Bowl, but we know that he's always had terrible moments in the postseason. And even you can look at that sequence of events there right before halftime. But as far as Mahomes is concerned, he has never played. Amazing to even think that he just completed his fourth season. I know he's been in the league five years, but the one year he didn't play until that final game when Alex Smith was the quarterback. But for the last four years, he's played, other than the Super Bowls, every game at home. He's never played a road playoff game. And in all those games, you can't really put any of the blame on him. Not even in the Super Bowl loss last year because their offensive line, you and I could have been on that offensive line as one together, and we still wouldn't have been able to stop that Tampa rush. So that wasn't all on Mahomes. And even the game where they lost at home to the AFC Championship with the New England Patriots. Patriots, his first year, yeah. The defense was pathetic. No, exactly. And we could talk about D Ford, but Mahomes was heroic then. This is the first game where now you could say, oh, Patrick Mahomes has baggage. And it was evident. Now you got to give the Bengals credit as far as their defense is concerned in the second half, 100%. Made, made tremendous adjustments. They did. And they were not able to get on track to think in the first half, those first three drives, you're thinking, oh, geez, this is going to be a track meet for the. Yeah, Chiefs. no. I was like, I was like, I was, I was, I was sitting in my chair. Watch the game. I'm like, is this really how our season's going to end? We're one yeah. game away from the Super Bowl, and we're going to get ran out of the building by all teams, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And I got to see the Chiefs in a Thursday Super Bowl game. Like, I, I got to deal with the, I got to deal with that again. And I, I was like, my energy level was low. 
You turned well, it around, yeah. Then the, and then Eli Apple makes a tackle for the half, and it's like, okay, sit up in chair a little bit. I still got ways to go, but like, all right, you know. And in the back of my mind, I was like, if we win this game, this is going to be a play everybody's going to come back and talk about. And lo exactly. and behold, look, and then lo and behold, look what happened. So it was that's just, what it was. I was like, absolutely. Oh. I, you know, it was a feeling in the first half. I was like, oh, this is going to be a terrible day. But I, I'm telling you, if I if I were to replay any day and any game, like living it, not watching it, but living it, it would be that chief championship game because you, because at the beginning it was like, oh, and then, and then knowing that, and then knowing flashback, how FME Frisky, and I'm jumping up and down, going, we're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was just like, just an oh, yeah. emotional Role, it was just like an emotional roller coaster, and having the having a comeback from not one but two second half double digit deficits against the back to back AFC champion, two years removed Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in the same month. Once at home, they win the division, and then on the road, where no team has been outside of 2018 Patriots prior to us, one team has been able to beat the Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, at Arrowhead in the playoffs. And, and knowing and knowing that we're a team that joins that two two team short list to do it, being in Kansas City twice in the same month, once at home to win a division, and the second time to win the AFC Championship and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, you you can't. That's that's also awesome. another reason why I was so bothered when they lost to the Rams because it was like, like th- this is perfect. You get revenge. You get revenge on the two teams in your division that's that's kicked your tail for years. You take care of business with them, you win a division, and all of a sudden, you know, the old saying goes, you got to beat the best to be the best. You knock off the number one seed in the Tennessee Titans, and then you beat the back-to-back AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs in the the same month. Once in your building, win a division, and second time in their building to go to Super Bowl and win a conference championship. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, you, you couldn't punch it up any better way because there's a team that you have to go through and a team you have to beat to go to the Super Bowl. It's it, it, you got you got to beat the best. They hold the crown. You, you got to take it away from them. You got to go okay. into their house, they'll be, their building with and take the trophy who who that whose name who, that bears the name of their of their of their of their founding father Lamar Hunt. You got to take it from them. And they went ahead and did it, which is just oh yeah spectacular absolutely yeah as good as it gets and then the championship game between san francisco uh and the rams you know jimmy g yeah i mean he's a guy that uh he'll make plays and and mcveigh you you, with with the timeouts yeah i mean mean, those those challenges hi hi, i mean really really truthfully say you can see in the buck game in the 49 game in the Super Bowl, where the high-end talent of the Rams bailed out McVay. It was Cooper Cup and Stafford against Tampa. It was Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller in their defense in the San Francisco game, and it was Aaron Donald in that defense in the Super Bowl. And and with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford on that on their final offensive drive. Because McVay did not exactly, you know, distinguish himself as a all-time great Super Bowl winning head coach. Uh, in in his final three in their final three playoff games against Tampa, San Francisco, and Cincinnati, because he made some decisions that should have that that should have cost the Rams multiple times in the three straight games, but their high end talent bailed him out. So, 
Yeah, no, and that's what you, you got to look at here. And I know we'll talk about the Super Bowl in a minute, but the way that they came back, you got to give them credit. They were down 17-7 going into the fourth quarter. Mind you that the Rams were driving there at the start of the fourth. And I tell you, to me, the biggest play of that game was Jaquiski Tart dropping that interception. He catches that, and you and I could have caught that. And I don't want to hear it. People can laugh. Oh, you're, that, you're not in the NFL. You want to, please. That was a can of corn, top of the fourth inning on a lazy Sunday afternoon in any ballpark in America. How he dropped that ball is beyond me. And to think if he would have made that interception, that would have been it. Rams would have been toast. And funny enough, even on the next play, if you remember, where Matthew Stafford found Odell on the sideline, makes that catch. He gets hit there where the defensive back, I forgot who it was, but personal foul, so they tack on more yards. And that's what pretty much set him up there. But you got to give it to them for being able to bounce back and overcome that drop by Tart. And as we know, they were able to hang on there, win the game, and go on to a Super Bowl. And obviously, it was their year to win just based on some of the things we talked about whether it was the game in Tampa where they're down 27-3 and the big throw, like you said, Matthew uh, Stafford, the cup, yeah. the championship game, and then, of course, the Super Bowl, which we'll get to. Yeah, I mean, you go, you get there, you get to the Super Bowl, and it's like like for that first week, and it really wasn't up until about Thursday or Friday where I was like, okay, game day, we know what we got to do, take it. it. It felt like a normal game. From about Thursday afternoon, Friday on, it was like, all right, enough for the talk. Playoff game. But for that first week and up until that Wednesday practice game, it was like, like we're like we are really in the Super Bowl AFC champions, and it's just, and I was I was hyped. I was just like, I was like, oh, like we're going to do it. Like, like speaking into existence, like the Bengals are going to win the Super. Bowl. The Bengals are going to win the Super. Bowl. Bengals are going to win the Super. Bowl. And then that sun, and then the Sunday comes, and it, it really didn't feel. It didn't really have that feeling of 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 the Super Bowl leading up to it, like that feeling of anticipation of like. Well, Sunday, like here, I don't know what's the fact I didn't watch any pregame shows or whatever it was, but like it just didn't. It felt like it, it kind of felt like a normal, regular game day as a as a Bengals fan. And it's Super Bowl, six o'clock, you know. And I and I haven't said this on air, so I'll say it uh, right now. Oh. I haven't said this, but throughout the entire playoff run, what I did was out a half hour prior to the game, I walk around the neighborhood that I live in. And I take my phone, my AirPods, and I listen to the motive to a like a motivational music playlist I put together, and right. I get myself hype listening to that. Thanks. And I end it, and I end my playlist when the game's about to. I end my playlist. I I spring out a long like private driveway, so I end it by by walk, then a light jog, and then I just sprint. Up the private driveway, up over to you know where my where where my house is into our into our own little driveway, listening to Eminem's "Lose Yourself." Oh, there you go. With the advice, and then the final line, I do the whole Tom Brady thing where he comes out time. Let's go! So I so I did that the entire playoff run, nice. and and you know it started with the Raider game, uh, and you know we kept on winning, so I kept on so I kept on doing it. So yep. then the Super Bowl comes along. I do it then. 
And it's like, and what Superboy was different because I want to see, I want to see him get introduced. I want to like experience the aura and, and the whole pregame shenanigans of the Super Bowl. So the game didn't kick off to the little extra six thirty, but I made sure that I did my little pregame hype thing yeah. at five thirty. So by six o'clock, I'd be in front of the TV to see him get introduced. Now thinking back, when I was probably like, I probably would have if if in some superstitious way, if I were to sacrifice missing them getting introduced. So I, you know, so I'm in front of the TV by 6.30, 6.45 by kickoff time after Dwayne the Rock Johnson takes 30 minutes to do his no. little stick. Well, I liked it. The only thing, the only thing that bothered me is the fact that if, if you're going to have Dwayne the Rock Johnson do it, I got to have him with the microphone in his hand go, if you're somewhere. <laughs> what the super he didn't give us that i mean I, he, he he does the finally first time okay fine he said about three times like Dwayne, get on with it it's the super bowl microphones in your hands you do the slide brow at the at the beginning instead of at the end you gotta give me you gotta give me if you smell what what the nfl or what the super bowl or even if you want to promote yourself if just for the hell of it just do what the rock is and he didn't and he didn't do that which 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 was very disappointing but it was just and that's the thing about the game you know the fact they had because i love the fact in the chief rams in the chief uh for the United Super Bowl, that he did little, that he did the team introductions for Fox. I love the right. fact that he he didn't do exactly that, but he did that in the Super Bowl. I loved, and I, I was giddy as all could be on September 30th when they announced that it was going to be Dre, Snoop, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J, and Eminem at the halftime show. And I knew Lucy stuff was going to be performed, so I was giddy about that. And it was on NBC, NBC, CBS. I think do the best job at broadcasting Super Bowl, which I was happy about. So like mm. everything came together for it to be like the perfect Super Bowl for me, except the fact that they didn't win it. You know, right. twenty to twenty sixteen lead. They, you know, they didn't capitalize when they had the Jamar Chase big-time catch off of Jalen Ramsey in the first quarter. They didn't put the ball in the end zone. They couldn't put the ball in the end zone coming off of not one, but two Matthew Stafford interceptions, which ended up to be costly. I was like, guys, you know, it was a theme all playoff long that you got to be able to put the ball in the end zone and capitalize and score off of turnovers, with a, especially with the short field. You can't keep on selling for field goals. You can't win championships that way. And lo and behold, unfortunately, it turned out to be right. Uh, and you know, they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Offense was very stagnant. They had a moment. They, of course, they were they were dry in the first half against Kansas City. They staggered, only put the ball in the end zone one time against Tennessee. Of course, you know, when Burrow's getting sacked nine times, of course. And when I had an opportunity to run away and hide against the Raiders on wildcard weekend, you know, they kept that game too close for comfort when there was opportunity trying to put the for them to put the game away and for them to put and for them to put the foot on their on the necks of the Raiders in the first half when Trey Hendrickson had the strip sack of Derek Carr and Larry Old and Joby recovered it, they couldn't put the ball in the end zone dealing with the short field on that offense possession, dating all the way back right. to the wildcard game against uh, Vegas. So it was a running theme in the playoffs and 
I didn't want to believe it, but it ended up coming true that it was going to rear its ugly head in the Super Bowl because talent-wise, you could arguably say that that was the best team talented-wise that Cincinnati had played all throughout their playoff run from, from Wild Card Weekend up until the Super Bowl, that that was the best team that they played was that Rams team where you you, you got to let them make all the mistakes and you, have to, and you have to play immaculate, perfect football. And, you know, they did to a point. They didn't turn over the football. They didn't turn over the football, you know, so they 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 were clean in that aspect. They didn't turn over the football in there, but when but when the Rams do, and when Matt Stafford got put on the end zone, you, you, you just have to. Vernon Hargrace acting like a fool uh, with the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I said it at the time. I said it after the game. I was like, if it was me, I went over to the sideline, cussed them out, said, get your crap. Wouldn't have used that word. Said, get to the locker room, put your stuff, pack up your stuff. And walk to LAX and catch the next chartered and catch the next uh, chartered or commercial flight back to uh, back to Cincinnati because I would have had no tolerance and no and no and no and no patience for that whatsoever. And it just and as a Bengals fan, it kind you don't want to say it's your curse, but stuff like Vernon Hargraves in the Super Bowl, he does yeah. that. It's like. And then, as and you know, a twenty to sixteen fourth quarter leading and it let it collapse. It's like it, 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 it was it, it almost it was. I don't want to say it, but in that and those elements, it was it was same old. It was it was same old snake bitten Bengals. It, it felt it was same old snake. Bitten. And why Mixon wasn't in the game, I have no idea. The oh, play yeah. calling by Zach Tanner found drive. I destroyed him. It's it's like you had such a great season. Only for you to to punch me in the gut right at yeah. the very at right at right at the very end because it was like ugh. oh yeah and I told you off air before we began this how I was just I, I was I was cranky and and moody for for a good for a good week after that game uh, yeah it's it just t- terrible feeling terrible 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 feeling and the offensive line was just abysmal abysmal right that too. Uh, yeah, you pretty much summed it all up there, Jai. I mean, there isn't anything else I could uh, pretty much add to that. But, uh, yeah, just it's one of those games that are going to stick to your craw until you win the Super Bowl. And hopefully that comes you know, much sooner than later because, uh, obviously, you don't want to go another 32 years before your team makes it to a Super Bowl. So, Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's get switch gears now to basketball a little bit with the three major teams with the Nets, Knicks, and the Lakers. Do the Nets first. Hovering around right. 500. The situation with Kyrie Irving and the vaccine, you know, who's he's back part time. Of course, the James Harden Ben Simmons trade, you know, the Ben Ben the Ben Simmons trade only works if they could get Kyrie back playing on a full time basis. If not, they're going to be screwed because you can't yeah. because when they going up against the Miami Heat of the world, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks who can score, Chicago Bulls who are who are, are having an excellent season this year. Kevin Durant ain't going to be enough. It's going to be the same repeat of last year when they had no choice but to just roll with Kevin Durant because Kyrie and James Harden were out due to injury. Give me your thoughts on the uh, Brooklyn Nets at this point in the season. All right, I'm going to zip through these only because uh, I'm a little bit pressed for time, but I got enough to to finish up and wrap up here for uh, for your program. Gotcha. As far as the Nets are concerned, we all know that this is championship or bust. To think that this team had not only Kevin Durant, Kyrie, of course, on the road more so than at home. And I understand the restrictions are starting to be lifted. So who knows? Maybe as early as next week, quite possibly, 
where he could play in home games. Remains to be seen, but we'll see. And remember, they also had James Harden. But then, of course, right. with the trade, Harden wanting out, which he didn't want any public backlash, didn't want to let it out to, to his, the fans and to the public. Well, he's a clown, as we all know, as far as him trying to get himself off of these teams, whether it's in Houston or here in Brooklyn, and then bringing in Ben Simmons. Like I said, championship or bust, it doesn't matter what seating that they fall. They're currently eighth. They could be seventh. They could be fourth. It doesn't matter. As long as they're in the dance, they'll be fine. And how I look at it is, is that Ben Simmons does not have to do too much. Yes, he's going to have to play on the defensive side of the ball in transition. He's going to be a monster as far as pushing the ball up. You would think Kyrie's going to be a two guard if he is able to play the games at home, especially in the postseason. And if Kevin Durant stays healthy, then you would think that they should be not on the fast track to make it to the NBA Finals, but they're going to be the favorites if the world is right and the stars are aligned, et cetera, et cetera. So I would think other than that, whether if Durant gets hurt or if Kyrie, who knows what's going to happen here. If he's only able to play in the road games, that's going to be a problem. And Ben Simmons offensively, uh, forget about it. You and I are probably better on the offensive side of the ball and we don't even play. And that's not a knock on Simmons, yes. but we know that it, offensive shooting mid-range jumpers and obviously threes are in his game. It's attacking the basket. It's getting the ball in transition, getting those rebounds, making defensive stops. That's pretty much what his game is. But I think the Nets are going to be fine again, but everything has to be right as far as the health of Durant, the incorporating and having that chemistry, not only with Kyrie back, but also when Ben Simmons, whenever he comes back. And Brooklyn plays in Philadelphia later this week, but Ben Simmons, I believe, will not play in that game in Philadelphia. But it should so be intriguing he, to say the least. He doesn't have the guts to face the music. Nah, that's, that's my, exactly. my opinion. But no, as, I agree. With the crosstown rival Knicks, I mean, what can go wrong will go wrong. Julius Randle, who has just completely fallen off from last season, <laughs> acted like a complete jerk and a complete idiot in the game last night against the Phoenix Suns, shoves Camp Johnson, pokes the bear, since he doesn't miss a shot in the fourth quarter. He gets kicked out. Cam Johnson on a bank three uh, hits the game-winning shot to knock off the Knicks uh, in the wee hours of Saturday morning on the East Coast, uh, Friday night uh, back west in Phoenix. Give me the New York Knicks, you know, if they are not as great of a defensive team as they ha- as they were last season, I mean, you live there. I mean, what, what what's, what's the deal with the, what's the deal with the New York Knicks? So I think this team started five and one and they were ready to print up the NBA finals tickets and start the parade route up the Canyon of heroes down in lower Manhattan. And since then they have just fallen off of a cliff a couple of weeks ago on my podcast. I even thought to myself, is it possible that last year's NBA coach of the year, Tom Thibodeau could be on the hot seat and be fired a year later. It's amazing how this team hasn't really responded. I get it that they don't really have a superstar player. Julius Randall is not that guy. He's more of a two guy maybe a three on a real good team, but he's not going to be the guy that's going to carry the mail night in, night out. He'll have his moments. But again, right. when you're talking about a guy that's supposed to be the, your face of the franchise, he is not it. RJ Barrett, a nice player. And even though he has played pretty well here over the course of the last, I believe, four or five weeks, but again, he's not John Morant. The guy who was drafted before him in that draft a few years back. And with the Knicks, the only thing I could say is they're – Trying to put together a team that can compete. Obviously, this year has not been a good year for them. And you would think that they have the right pieces in place when it comes to the front office. They haven't traded away any of their draft picks, which they used to do with previous regimes. So I understand the Knicks fans are going to be bitter considering they won 41 games last year. And then this year, they're not even going to make the playoffs. 
So now it's almost as if they have to start at ground zero, but at least the front office is stable. At least they could try to maybe either swing a trade, not a bad trade. The last person they want to get on their team is a guy like Russell Westbrook or a guy with a big, uh, Russell Westbrook, I said Westbrook, which he is Westbrook <laughs> when you think about it. But with that being said, I, I think that the, be, be careful because uh, Westbrook's wife's going to attack you on social media on Instagram like she did Skip Bayless, which you may continue. Yes, exactly. So, uh, but the Knicks, I, I think that this is going to be an interesting offseason for them and trying to rebuild and get some of the, for lack of a better word, momentum that they had last year in not only hosting a first round playoff series, but being able to have playoff games in the garden. And yeah, it's pretty much, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board this off season to kind of reclaim some of that magic from last year. And the Lakers old oh. entrance to Helen back, uninspiring Russell Westbrook, making excuses, you know, playing, playing tit for tat and playing word salad with the media after their complete and utter embarrassing I mean, you are, you're the Los Angeles Lakers. You're going to let the the the, the, the little one-time Western the – the little, little uh, L.A. Clippers, I mean, who, who who have to pay you rent to play the stable – L.A. Clippers embarrass you on national television like that, getting embarrassed. And I got Russell Westbrook, who has stunk all season long, has zero business being on the freaking team. I said it last summer. I've said it in wintertime, in December. I'll say it. I, I say it again. Said it on Wednesday. Say it again. Had zero business being on the team. Zero. And, he, and who, who's one of the primary reasons why this team is in the toilet. And he's going to sit up and play tit for tat and get into a pissing match with the reporter. Well, what was your expectation? He, he has his panties in a twist because he gets upset at the question. Uh, what was your expectations heading into the season? You know, Russell Westbrook, yeah, come on. You stink. You stink and your team stinks. You anticipated getting getting destroyed by the L.A. Clippers in your own building on national television without Kawhi Leonard and uh, and Paul George with 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 the coach on the other side. Well, you guys didn't want because you, because you wanted Frank Vogel, who all of a sudden who all of a sudden stinks, and you want out the door. I mean, really, and with with with, with the complete dysfunction going on in the front office with the L.A. Lakers now, L.A. Lakers. Are you yeah. kidding me? With, with Kevin, with with Carmel Anthony, who 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 should retire tomorrow, Anthony Davis, who never plays, and they overrated Russell Westbrook, and they trade away all of their future: Kuzma, Alex Caruso, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, everything, to win now, with this old old past, you know, has been roster. Yeah, I call them the Expendables after the action franchise movie series in the early, I think, 2010s, where you had, what was it? Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Jason Statham. I, this was the Lakers. They were the Expendables. They were a team that was built together of former All-Stars, of former All-NBA guys, players of that ilk. And not only that, there weren't a bunch of young guys. They were all old guys. When you bring in a guy like Carmelo Anthony, when you bring in Russell Westbrook, who you owe $47 million next year, and this has just been an experiment that has gone not only through the toilet, but it's somewhere in the L.A. sewer system right. rotting at the bottom somewhere, I guess, on Trigueroa Street. It's been an out-and-out disaster. Were well, they 27 and 35? They host Golden State tonight in a game where they should have Philadelphia and Miami to be the ABC game. But, of course, that's not going to attract eyeballs to the sets. They got to have Curry. They got to have LeBron there. 
but it's just a nightmare of a season for the Lakers. The only consolation is that they will have a playing game, and you would think, you would think, you would just think. based on reputation alone, that they would make it into the tournament, but they're going to be a quick one and done. So it's almost as if they might as well just lose. And now that would be an embarrassment. I get it. And they've been an embarrassment to this point. But yes, they'll make it to the tournament. They'll probably play against the either Phoenix Suns or Golden State Warriors, and they'll be sacrificial lambs unless all of a sudden Anthony Davis finds the fountain of youth and is now reverted back to the all-NBA player that he is. But with the injuries that he faced last year and then obviously the two separate injuries this year, to me, this Laker team isn't going to be long for any postseason this year, let alone a championship run. Right. And, you know, I kind of get a similar feel with them than I did as I did last year's uh, Yankees, who are a lot, who, you know, last year's Yankees are a lot better than this year's Lakers. But when they were going through their their periods of like where not where everything went wrong for them, you know, hearing the same hair talk from Boone and the and the players, everything else. Well, we just got to reassess it tomorrow. You know, we're trying this. We're doing that. It's it. Like, like, like they sound like a broken record saying the same thing every single night after, after an embarrassing loss, after embarrassing loss, embarrassing loss, embarrassing loss. It's the same yeah. thing with Vogel and the Lakers. I mean, and Shaq, man, an excellent point inside the NBA on Thursday night. He's a thousand percent right. Nobody's pissed off. Like, is any, like, does, does anybody have like any, any self pride about themselves, whether it's about themselves or the uniform and the, and the team that's on the front of the chest. Does anybody have any self-pride? You're a, a Los Angeles Laker wearing the uniform that Kobe, Kareem, Shaq, uh, uh, Worthy, Magic Johnson, Jerry West. I mean, does anybody have any pride to, to kick over some furniture, to, to have an attitude, to, 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 to turn over a Gatorade bucket, to scream and, and, and cuss up somebody getting caught on camera in a press conference? Does anybody, anybody have, have, a, have a fire in their belly that says, you know what, I'm sick of this feeling, I hate this feeling, I hate getting embarrassed on national television, and I for sure hate getting embarrassed by the little brother and the wee little L.A. Clippers and getting tooled with and clowned by Reggie Jackson, of all people. I mean, yeah. does anybody have like have that fire instead of sitting up in a press conference going, say, you know, you know, we tried. Oh, I mean, we just, just got to come back tomorrow and reassess things. And we're there's not, no time left. You know, we're not giving up. It's just like oh, there's man. no time left. It's season tick, 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 tick. I, 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 Jason, I swear to God, I heard the same thing from what I heard from Frank Vogel last night is, is in a nutshell, same thing I heard from Aaron Boone last season with the Yankees in July and August. Yankees bullpen collapse or they can't hit or they just or they get embarrassed by my Baltimore Orioles or whatever. And, and Aaron Boone's up in the press conference going, you know, there's still time left, you know. We just got to reassess some things and come back to my, it's like, it's like, no, it's not, it's not the case. Speaking of Aaron Boone and the Yankees, a beautiful uh, segue on my end, this lockout opening day uh, postponed to, or canceled first weeks of the season, opening day canceled lockout. I blame both sides. Manfred's incompetent. The owners are stubborn, greedy, uh, uh, frugal, and self-centered. 
the players are short-sighted uh, and, uh, and and self-centered and selfish amongst themselves. It's it's the finger to everybody. It's the finger to the stadium workers at all 30 ballparks around the country, the finger to the people that own the small businesses in and around ballparks and all the major cities, Pickles Pub here in Baltimore, right outside of Royal Park, Camden Yards being one of them. And it's the finger to you and I, the diehard baseball fan that lives and breathes this stuff. I mean, it's it's just it's just enough. I mean, I got I got I got people that make six figures at minimum and millionaires bickering back and forth with with successful, wealthy billionaires. You know, people still don't they have to fix the COVID inflation's through the roof. You got to take out a, you got to take out a second mortgage to go to the grocery store. And it costs an arm and a leg to fill up your, to fill up your car with a full tank of gas on top of the fact that we're, God forbid, knock on wood on the brink of possibly World War III with the Russia-Ukraine nonsense. People getting kicked out of their homes and got to put their lives on hold, put their lives on pause to go fight, fight for their fellow brethren and fight for their country. Yet the ball players and the owners are squawking and moaning and growing over a $125,000 raise and, 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 and CBT and, 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 and it's foolishness. Yeah, it's, uh, I tell you, the only thing I could say is this. It seemed like the owners had a, I'm not going to say a sweetheart deal. Obviously I'm not a player. I'm sure that obviously they wanted a lot more, but it looked like they were finally bringing some legitimate things to the table in reference to some of the things you mentioned. Also having a draft lottery, the salary compensation, they were going to put $30 million in the bucket for that. Uh, they also know compensatory draft pick for a team that let's say gives a qualifying offer to somebody who's going to be a free agent where they have to give up a draft pick. All that was going to go by the wayside mm-hmm. and it still wasn't enough. And I get it. The players, they want more, they want whatever it is. And then some, of course, the CBT is enormous because what that means, they don't want a salary cap. We all know that, but they want to have the free market. They want to have the $350 million player. They want to yeah, have the, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, and then, they scream, and, then they scream, and then they scream and yell when, when the Peter Angelos of the world and the owners of the Pirates and, and all these teams, you know, all these teams that aren't rich and wealthy and went and when they went, it's few and far in between. Then they scream and yell about, well, it's bad for the sport. It's a joke. It's a disgrace about the tanking what's, and the fact that they don't put together a, a competitive and watchable product on the field, which I'm all in favor for, and, I, and, I, and I'm in agreement with the players with. It is a disgrace, and it's absolutely disgraceful. These owners pitching pennies. Pay your freaking players i got i got i got the liberty media and the in the group that owns the braves one of pinch pennies and nickel and dime freddie freeman who just won you a world series i mean seriously so i'm in a thousand percent agreeing with the players on this where the player comes off as hypocritical and when they come on and when they call and when and when you can't take them seriously and it's one ear out the other is 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 they say that but yet but yet the whole thing but the one thing that solves it that's truly solves it enough to worry about this competitive balance nonsense and the and the, and the minimum base salaries. Oh, it, it basically is the elixir for Major League Baseball is the salary cap and the players with no parts of it. They want a free market, and on top of yeah. that, and then on top of that, the Max Scherzer of the world, who's made plenty of money, who's uh, who's appeared and pitched in All Star games, who's won his Cy Youngs, who's pitched in many a play of uh, of postseason playoff games, who who who's pitched in World Series and has won a World Series. He's going to the Hall of Fame, no doubt, no question. His legacy—he's not at a point where his career where his legacy is on the line. We has to go to a place to, where he has to go to a place to win. Where he's not at a stage of his career where he's young and he's made no money. He's made plenty of money, and yet, and yet, he takes every nickel and every penny off the table to go pitch for your New York Mets. 
You know, when he's yeah. screaming, he yelled about competitive balance, where he could have took about half that money, if not a little more than half, to go pitch for, say, my Baltimore Orioles or the Pittsburgh Pirates of Kansas City Royals. See, so again, I don't want to hit, and I don't want to hit, sit there and make an excuse. Well, those teams don't win. You know, I don't have a chance to win the World Series. You've won, you've won your, you've won your championship. I, I understand that you're, that you're a player. You want to pad your legacy and what more? I understand that. But don't sit there and moan and about competitive balance, and you guys don't want a salary cap, and you want, and you want free market. So you're getting paid, you know, a half a billion dollars to throw a baseball when you, when you've made plenty of money. And, and you're in a and you're and if you're Max Scherzer, your legacy is is not hanging in the balance. He retires tomorrow. He gets inducted into Cooperstown. Yeah, and the worst part about that too is that five of the eight players on that executive board are all Boris clients, and of course they all make a ton of money. So what about the reliever? What about the backup infielder? What about the 25th man on the team who right. is literally? I'm not going to say they're starving, but of course, where is their voice? Where is their say? And that's the problem here because you have all the big guys, whether it be Max Scherzer, whether it be Francisco Lindor, where you have all these guys that are making big time money. Of course, they're going to be the ones that have all the power. And sadly, the one who's got his fingerprints all over this and and has too much influence and too much power is Scott Boris. And when you have that guy at the forefront where Tony Clark, and we know about his past transgressions with the previous agreement. Exactly. And when you have Boris there and when you have Max Scherzer pretty much being the rep for all of those players on that executive board, and this is the mess that you have. And even though, yes, I'm for the players getting all their money, whatever, and the owners, yeah, they got to stop crying that, oh, we've lost money going back to the pandemic. Okay, fine, understood. So the team, if, if it's that, if it's if it ain't that profitable for you and it, and it hurts right. your bank account and hurts your bottom line and hurts your, your financial status that badly, sell the team. Yeah, I just wish they could blow it up and start anew. But again, if they were to blow it up and start anew, it's probably going to start with a salary cap and the players aren't going to want it. So baseball is going to continue to. Yeah. And that's the short and that's the short sighted and that's the short sightedness of it, which pisses me off because all of your problems would be solved if you if a salary cap is set, it is set for every single team where everybody has a chance. The competitive balance isn't an issue and you could have a World Series between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles in in 21st century Major League Baseball. Yeah. It, would, it would it would solve all of that and on top of that where everybody gets a chance where where cities where cities that live and die by their football teams ironic enough i keep on going to pittsburgh and baltimore but it's yeah. just the truth cleveland also you know those, those nitty-gritty blue-collar cities where you know that that where that you know where they love and, and love and care about their football team and live and die for football season as much as they do for baseball when their teams are good when their team's competitive when their teams are watchable it's it's, it's, okay. it's the same story. You can't sit and have these cities, especially that have football teams, where where that where their local fan base they they tune out as soon as as soon as training camp opens for the for the Ravens, Browns, and Pittsburgh Steelers, knowing knowing that the Indians, Pirates, and Orioles are out of it. You can't you can't yeah. have that. And and yeah. if they had any and if they had any and if they weren't so short sighted and if they really cared about the fans and the good of the game, not just for the here and now, but for the future. They'd say, you know what? We'll grin and bear it. We gotta bite the bullet. 
but it is tremendous and will bear the fruits of and will bear the fruits of this of this short-term sacrifice and instituting a salary cap because all with the with the nhl being the lone exception because it's a niche sport but but for the people that's popular with it it does it, it, the, it at least from my estimation i think it does a decent job with the nfl which is the most popular sport in the country and the nba that's 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 a second right after that they got salary caps why? Because of the fact that the players are willing to split the revenue 50-50 with the players and the owners, and they know that and they know that everybody gets a chance, everybody gets an opportunity. And if and if you do a great job, you have the right people in place in your front office, you can end up competing for a championship. Perfect example, NBA Finals last year. Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix and the Milwaukee Bucks. Little old Milwaukee and the Phoenix and the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, what, what, what was what was the super what was the Super Bowl? Yes, you had the big market, big bad LA Rams, but who do they play? Small little small little Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals, small little Cincinnati, Ohio. Sitting yeah. on the Ohio River essentially at the border of the Ohio Kentucky border. I I I can't take it. I can't That's it, man. Yeah, absolutely. 100 percent agreement. He did a phenomenal job, man. Long-winded, which is starting to become the norm with what I had these <laughs> guests on with my show. But you got so much to talk about, and these guests bring a lot to the table. We, of course, appreciate the great Jason Azario, uh, host of the J Reels podcast. You can find that on Spotify or wherever you uh, may listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and I would imagine iHeartRadio. You can follow him on Twitter and I believe on Instagram as well at J Reels. That's J A Y R Double E L Z one on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back with the Amatelicatias podcast in just a moment. We welcome you back to the Amatelicatias podcast. Once again, a special thanks to Jason Nazario for coming on. Uh, on the program for us as we wrap up uh, this program before we say goodbye. Uh, get to the college basketball man, a big time college basketball weekend and Coach K, but I haven't had the opportunity to say this, so I'll say this now. Uh, and I understand I'm a little late to the party on getting to it, but the slam dunk contest was completely disgraceful. I mean, and the NBA has got to do something about, has got to do something uh, about about this about this dunk contest because it it is it has gotten to the point where it, it is borderline unwatchable. It, it we should it ha, first of all it has the days of it being the main event of All Star Saturday night for the NBA All Star Weekend that that's out the, that that is completely out the door. Uh, it, it's just it's 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 not as big of an event as it has as it has been. In years and in decades, in years and in decades um, uh, past, that's the first thing. Second thing, the sl- the three point contest is, and it's it's you know when when you watch the, that subpar, lackluster, unentertaining, uninspiring event, you know you le- you end All Star Saturday Night on on a, on a weak and on a sour note. So the days of it being the final event of the night is out the window. Uh, and, and and if the NBA cannot, uh, Major League Baseball kind of runs into this problem too with their home run derby. 
you know, now they've had a couple of their stars in it, but, you know, but you have a couple of your stars in it, but, you know, MLB is starting to get into this little problem, and with the and with the All-Star game, with the Home Run Derby, I kind of understand, because you hear a lot of these stories, and you've seen examples where players that participate in the Home Run Derby in baseball, you know, they, they essentially spend, what, about a, a week or so training for the event, uh, training for the event, and then in, and then in the day, but and then in the day before and and the day of the home run derby, they're not practicing. You know, getting solid contact on the ball and just putting uh, putting wood to baseball and just and just pushing it out into the outfield to get a hit. You know, like regular batting practice. That you know, especially in this day and age with the launch angle, with the analytics, everything else, they they try to they try to get under the ball and push it up into the air and try to hit it as high and as long as they possibly can, and then they plan the home run derby. You know, these players are competitive; they want to win, especially because they, you know, they they put these they put these prize pools in it with the prize money, and the players want an extra uh, million dollars or so in their pocket when they leave, when they leave, uh, the all-star game to resume the second half of the season, the Friday after, but they leave and then, and then, you know, they come back and they are, right, they're around to go playing for the team or whatever. And they, and they can't, and they can't hit the bat with an oar and they go into these ridiculous hitting slumps where, where they do nothing but strike out or hit the ball in the air and they can't make side contact. They can't get on base and they're, they're like in a week or two week or three week funk coming out of the All Star break, and it, and it jeopard it hurts their team and it jeopardizes their swing and it jeopardizes their and and absolutely sinks and plummets uh, their stats that they had heading into the All Star game with the NBA. Not exactly the same thing, but you got the big name players, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world, the LeBron, you know, the big time superstar players. You know, they don't want to participate in the dunk contest. The young up and coming player that's looking to build his brand and get his name out there that you know was coming from the G League or is a or is a or was a high draft pick and high draft pick coming out of college they'll participate in a dunk contest because they're young they got nothing to lose they want to build their brand and, and want to get their name out there as much as they possibly can it's in you know in this day and age of social media and the internet and the fact the NBA is a star driven league you know you want you want to get your name out there so why so you get your name out there and you're in the conversation of the Giannis the the the, the Kawhi Leonard the Paul George Chris Paul Devin Booker Jason Tatum LeBron Anthony Davis John Morant uh the, the Joel Embiid uh, James Harden, so, you know, so, you know, and I just, I named players off the top of my head without even thinking. They participate in those, you know, in the dunk contest, the younger guys, so they so they can be like the household name, Obi Topin, Obi, Obi, whatever his name is, of the New York Knicks who won it. You know, his name, his name, you, you think of his name right off the top of your head. Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, who participated in the Masterpiece a few years ago, name come name pops off top of the head. Why they participated in the dunk contest, and everybody knows who their name is. So, so they have that in the NBA. You know, their their primary problem is that primary problem is that their big name stars don't want to don't want to participate in the game. And and when you have the young and experienced guys, you know, you're gonna have that absolute disgrace that you had two weeks ago. 
where where it was just in a complete eyesore and it nearly put you to sleep. Guys missing dunks left and right, fooling around putting on the Timberlands. It's just like it's just like come on, just dunk the basketball and let's move on with it. So, but they either, they they gotta overhaul it. They gotta they gotta make sure that it's not the last event. If they're not gonna overhaul it, they gotta make sure it's not the last last event of the night. And they should overhaul it whether whether it's uh, whether it's putting an an incentive in there for the players, making the player. I don't think you can, but you know, putting a putting a large incentive in there to where a player can't say no to showing up participating in the event. Or or have or have or here's what you do: you select a slate of MB of current NBA current. You could you if you want to include the past players like they did this year with the with it being a 75th anniversary of the NBA, go right ahead. But get you know get a list of all the big time uh, players in the NBA that are that are that are good dunkers. You know LeBron and Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world. Get them have have them be have them be the judges. Want to put Dwayne Wade and say uh, and say Isaiah Thomas in there? Throw him in. Right, go right ahead and have them do. And I heard this idea from Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, so it's not my original idea. So don't give me credit for it. Go around the country and go to you know hard courts, whether it's whether it's at elementary, not in elementary schools, but whether it's at high schools or at or at uh, re, or at regional public parks and parks at, in cities all across America, whether it's in the boroughs of the Bronx or in Brooklyn and New York City, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Houston, Dallas, Miami, I mean, uh, uh, Los, An- Los Angeles, Sacramento, Oakland, San Francisco, Seattle. It, go through them all. Toronto, go through them all, and get and 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 have then have these little regional, regional local competitions for the dunk contest. Where if you win it, you punch your t- you punch your ticket to participate in the dunk contest of NBA All Star Saturday Night on NBA All Star Weekend. And then and then have the play and then have the players and have the players be there and judge and have and have these and have these you know these no names that nobody has ever heard of participate in the event they they you know they get the little 15 minutes of fame you know being on national TV on TNT and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and everything else they have the little 15 seconds of fame they'll they'll go over the top and make sure that they put on a show because it's the little 15 seconds of fame they want everybody and their mother to note there that they're at the all-star game and that they're on national television make sure everybody sees them and recognizes them so they'll go over the top put together a valiant effort and put and put together and put together a a, a decent performance for, for you know for the average fan that's dying for something to watch after after the conclusion of the NFL playoffs and the NFL season college basketball has has been in the uh, has been in the cellar for well over a month in completion and the, and the majority of the college basketball activity for that Saturday has concluded that is how you fix a dunk contest cuz what i saw 2 weeks ago was a complete and utter disgrace I had to get that off my chest. I had an opportunity to say that. That's the first thing. Second thing is, is that it's Coach K's final home game as the head as head coach for college basketball. Final home game coaching for the for the men's blue Duke Blue Devils team. He of course, Coach K's been there since night since the nineteen eighty nineteen eighty one season. I mean, which is hard to believe. I mean, when he start when he started 
my father was two years old and my father just turned 44 uh what about all uh actually a month ago today today's the 5th of march a month ago today my father turned 44 years of age coach k has been the coach of duke since 1980 when he was two years old which is absolutely hard to believe you know he's made it to the ncaa tournament numerous amount of times he made it consec he made it uh consecutively from night from the 1983-84 season to night to 93-94 uh, made it consecutively from 95-96 to 2018. To, no, wait, I checked that. Uh, no, wait, I had that right. From the 95-96 season, made it to the NCAA tournament from 1995-96 to, to, to the 2018-2019 season. That, of course, is when they had Zion. Uh, is of course, when they had Zion on the team. And looks like he's. It looks like most likely he's going to get a bid for the 2021-22 season. Uh, they met. They weren't. They and they missed out on it in the twenty in the twenty twenty one year. They did not make it. And the twenty nineteen twenty season, they of course there was no NCAA tournament to be had, so they didn't make it. Uh, he's one. He is a five time ACC Coach of the Year. He has. A, he's won a Naismith Coach of the Year multiple times. He's been. He's been to the NCAA tournament thirty-five times in his in his forty-two year career. Twelve Final Four appearances, five national five national championships. That of course is in back to back in ninety one and ninety two oh one two thousand ten beating Butler. If it wasn't for uh, Gordon Hayward's uh, heave, uh, he he wouldn't have that one. And of course, two th- and then of uh, in two thousand fifteen when they beat. Uh, Wisconsin and Indianapolis. So he, you know, he's got 20, 23 All Americans have played. Twenty three All Americans has played on his team. Um, he's got. You know, he's put. He has a career seven hundred and sixty six winning percentage. That's seventeenth best in the sport. Um, you could go through the various amounts of alumni that he's had from the, from the Grant Hills and the and the uh, and the Christian Leitners of the world. To the you know to the J to the Jay Williams, the uh, the Kyrie Irvings, the Zion Williamsons, and the Jason Tatum's of today, uh, you know the one if if you want to call it a knock and nitpick, you know that he hasn't at least not yet at this moment in time he hasn't and the historic hasn't had the great pro the the player that was in his program that went on to become a great pro UNC of course you UNC of of course you have Jordan. Uh, um, you know, um, you know, trying to think, uh, with the great pro, uh, off the top, off the top of my head, you know, Syracuse, Carmelo Anthony, with Bayheim. So it, so he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the great pro necessarily on his resume. I mean, that that's nitpicking. That that's a nitpicking knock. But I mean, arguably one of the one, arguably the greatest college bat men's college basketball coach of all time. Uh, you know, made Duke this tremendous powerhouse that you know that puts them up there on on New York Yankee, L.A. Laker type, you know, New England Patriot type level of dominance. Where, where you know, I I've always been indifferent to Duke, but if you're a diehard college basketball fan, you either love them or you hate them. Uh, you want to go to Duke to play for Coach K, or uh, you know, so uh, unless you're like me, you feel indifferent towards them. I mean, it's he he he's a you, he's the he's been the face of college basketball uh, since Dean Smith left in the '90s. You know you you know and college basketball 
and the college basketball is a sport anyway where you, where the coach is bigger than the play, than the player that's there, especially in this day and age of the one and done where the players, you know, come and go and the coaches always stay there. You know, Calipari, uh, Roy Williams, who recently retired with uh, with uh, with the Tar Heels, Coach K, who's done after this after um after the season, Bayheim with Sarah Bayheim with Syracuse, uh, Calhoun up at the University of uh, Connecticut, the Yukon Huskies, shout out to uh to Yukon Al. So, you know, so he, he is the he's been the face of that program. Think about it. The face of that program since the eighties. Early eighties, nineteen eighty to be exact. The face of it. Head man in charge at that program. The face of it. Which it's hard hard to believe. Hard to believe you know, night night you know, nineteen you know just to uh, a quick quick his, just a quick history lesson. Uh, you know, who was the president in nineteen uh eighty? I should know this, but I wasn't alive in nineteen eighty, so bear with me. I don't think it was Reagan, I think uh was it Reagan or was it Jimmy Carter? It was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy, who ironically enough, Jimmy Carter is the oldest, who, who was president when uh, when Coach K's career began at Duke is is the oldest is the oldest living president, uh, is the oldest living president of um, uh, uh, currently in the United States. So if you go and look and just put into perspective, um, just put into perspective how long uh, Coach K's been the president. Jimmy Carter was the 39th president of the United States. 39th. President Biden is the 46th. And if you look at presidents that have that's that's been presidents of the United States since Coach K's been there, you have Jimmy Carter as one, Ronald Reagan as number two, H.W. as three, Clinton as four. W H W son is five. Obama is six. You're not even including the fact when when they had presidents that had the, that had the eight years that won the two terms. Obama, Trump, and Biden been there a long time, and it wasn't like you know he's been a lame duck there a long time. He's been competitive and he's won. With various amounts of different players in different decades, he's played in the NCAA tournament in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens, and if they and, and soon to be the twenty twenties. Think about that: eighties, nineties, two thousand tens, fifteen in the two thousand. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, it would be five different decades. Five. And he's won national championships in three different decades of the 90s, 2000s, and the 2010s. And is the guy who got his career started under the, under the uh, tutelage of Bobby Knight at Army. From Chicago, from Chicago, February, February 13th, 1947, 75 years of age. 75 years of age. He is, you know, one of the, you, you think college basketball, he's one of the first heads and one of the first uh, faces that, that pops into your head. 
not to mention coaching the men's national team with a, with a bunch of you know with uh, with the likes of LeBron James and and uh, Carmelo Anthony and of course the late great Kobe Bryant God bless his soul coaches his final game now by the time you guys probably listen to this this game is either in progress or it's over but you know, he's got over a thousand. He's a he's one thousand one hundred twenty-three career wins with three hundred and six losses. Uh, was a shooting guard and point guard at Army back in the back in the mid late sixties. He's ninety-seven and thirty in the in uh, in March Madness play. Sixty-three and twenty-one in ACC tournament play. Played fifteen ACC tournaments, or excuse me, fifteen ACC tournament championships. 13 ACC regular season championships, 86, 91, 91, 92 back-to-back, 94, 97 to 2001, 04, 06, 2010, and this year, 2022. Uh, and uh, won a Naismith College Coach of the Year Award three times, five-time ACC Coach of the Year, inducted into the Basketball and College Basketball Hall of Fame, and for what it's worth, has coached the U.S. Men's National Team the three Olympic gold medals in 08, 2012, and 2016. I mean, it doesn't get get any crazier than that unless your name's John Wooden. And John Wooden, keep in mind, had to coach less games. Mike Krzyzewski in this day and age, round of 64, March Madness, got to win more to win a national championship. But, uh, and of course, how fitting is it? You know, UNC versus Duke, one of the greatest rivalries in sports, and one of the greatest, if not the best, rivalry in all of college basketball. At in, in good old little Durham, North Carolina, at Cameron Indoor, that historic facility. That alone speaks to how big of a weekend it is in college basketball for it being the final weekend of the regular season. Um, of course, he had some games going on earlier. Yeah, Tennessee held on by four points, knocking off Arkansas, two SEC teams, the 13th and 14th ranked respective teams in the country. Uh, Tennessee winning 78-74. LSU out upsetting 25th ranked Alabama in overtime, 80-77. Uh, Purdue knocks off, Alabama, knocks off Indiana, 69-67. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you got UC, USC, UCLA, 16th ranked USC going against 17th ranked UCLA. That game's at 10 o'clock on ESPN. And at the time of this recording, Kansas versus Texas is in progress uh, down, in, uh, down in the state of Kansas uh, right now on ESPN as of uh, this morning. Sixth ranked uh, Kansas going against 21 ranked Texas in the Big 12. And uh, and then Sunday you got Iowa versus Illinois Big Ten basketball for you on FS1 uh, as well with the conf- with the conference tournaments beginning next week and us being a Sunday away from selection Sunday in the beginning of the NCAA tournament. So you got so that so that's what he stands for. It's college basketball, Coach K's final game games keep an eye on here as we wrap up the final week in the college basketball season i will recap that and the storylines that will that will become of it look ahead to of course you got the conference uh, conference tournaments and selection sunday coming up very soon 
with Selection Sunday being a week from Sunday, and looks like it looks like not official yet. But looks like we are going to get the great uh, Colin Russo. He of Wisconsin Badge will get him on closer to the NCAA tournament within a week's time. In the meantime, we shall say goodbye until next week. Special thanks one more time to Jason Azario for coming on the show. Follow him at jreels1 on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield and the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it tell yes. Here's your boy Josh Shield. Stay safe, stay stay healthy, excuse me everybody. Talk to you guys next week. Y'all take care.